0: This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit that you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing.
1: All right. Man, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, I, I can't wait to get this game
0: going. Sounds good. All right, me too. The drive was a bit dicey. Uh, I kind of hate when I'm not the only asshole on the road, but I've got my character ready.
2: All righty, gang. Are you ready to explore post-apocalyptic Western New York? I can't wait to show you some of the familiar landmarks and how they are different.
1: Actually, that that does sound kind of cool. I wonder if any of the local game stores have become sort of uh, gathering places for pre-collapse cults. Nice, nice.
2: I like that. I like that a lot. We can, we can put right. that to use.
0: Great, because once we get started, I want to go see that gang you mentioned in our pregame notes, the Timmies. I mean, any gang that uses caffeine and sugar to get themselves into a frenzy before heading out to scavenge should be somebody we can team with.
2: Fantastic. Now that everyone has something in mind, let's get this thing started.
0: Right. So with that, welcome to the 460th episode of the Mistrick and Mark podcast. Tonight, we discuss how to get excited in your tabletop role-playing games. Along the way, we'll take your comments, examples, and suggestions live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My
1: name is Phil. And I'm old man Logan. Welcome back. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends.
2: Welcome back.
1: I was going to jump into a little welcome back. uh, (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I want to sing with you. Yeah. There are people that are listening to this that have no idea what Welcome Back Cotter is, but that's a story for another time. Temperature check. Oh, Mr. Everson,
0: Mr. Evason.
1: <laughs> Phil, how you feeling?
2: Uh, you know what? I'm all right. Um, physically, I'm doing fine, healthy, no uh no Rona. The uh Rona proximity alarm has not gone off in a in a while. So um doing good there. Yeah, physically I'm fine. Uh, you know what mentally, um I had a really nice um, relaxing weekend, so like my mental health is probably on the plus side somewhere. <laughs> That's me. Jer?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Um, feeling better this week than last week. Last week I had some, my, my foot was killing me, but I'm doing good this week. Uh, mentally, having a good time. We had a great weekend, had a lot of fun, and uh, I'm ready to go. Bob? Yeah, um, mentally I'm
1: feeling pretty good. I'm um, solid. I'm, I'm out, out of the meh range and into the uh, not bad range. So so that's good. Feeling good there. Uh, physically, uh, no sign of Omicron yet. Um, I'm kind of girding myself for Phi Chi Psi, and Omega or whoever. Um, <laughs> I forget. I used to be able to, to quote the entire Greek alphabet from from memory, but I've lost some of them. But in any event, that's neither here nor there. We're all feeling pretty good. So let's jump into a show and do the one thing. And my one thing, uh, I got to do a thing that um, I really enjoy doing. And that is I made a character sheet uh, using Google Sheets and some formulas and some drop downs and some stuff like that uh, for our upcoming Cortex game called Aux. It's an activity that... um, it's both calming and creative and entertaining, and I really enjoy doing it. Um, it's a little different using Google Sheets because Google Sheets doesn't really have all of the capabilities of Excel yet. Um, but there's enough in there that I could do what I wanted to do. But I, I've gone whole hog before in Excel with all kinds of formulas and buttons to trigger things and uh, like just you name it i've done it visual basic code on the back end <laughs> wrapping things up so i took a bunch of data that we've uh, that we put together as we kit bashed our game together out of the cortex prime rules and uh, dumped some data into a tab that i called data and then i read some stuff in to so people could hit some drop downs and they wouldn't have to type everything you know as i talk with my hands eh.
2: dude it looks really good
1: yeah, like I'm, I'm. I've got it I'm open right now. It's like it really
2: nice. Mm-hmm.
1: Very happy with how it came out. So you, uh, you ha- definitely. Have you looked have at a... the new the test tab with the color coded four sections. And... Yeah.
2: yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. Not yet. Not yet.
1: Yeah, I- yeah. I'm just gonna. I really, I'm just gonna
2: really say. Like I'm gonna say you got a you got a potential career over at Gauntlet, uh, <laughs> making up go. keepers. Like this is pretty nice.
1: I would gladly make keepers for the Gauntlet community. That would that that would keep me. Uh, keep me rolling in activities that i enjoy so all right that's my one thing getting spoons from that spell slots however you want to however you want to spin that jerry yours is a tangential Uh, uh, topic
0: mine is tangential this weekend we did um uh like session zero zero point five where we sat down because cortex is a game system that has a lot of pieces to it and you have to decide which pieces you want to use before you go into character creation so last time we got together, we sat down and we kind of discussed what what parts of the game we wanted, how we wanted to do certain rules, what the stats were going to be, and so on. And this week we got together and collaboratively built our collaboratively built our characters using a pathway where we went through our our backgrounds and um, how we grew up. And, and each one is a state is a step. So we first talked about like where we were from and what what species we were, and then uh, how we were raised, and then how we did in school and how we did because this is a game about um, geniuses so how we became geniuses what we did and at every level you put one or two things on this big map and then we draw parallels to them and how they connected and the organization that raised me ended up being um, involved in chris's background at one point and so on and then we got into actually building the character stats and um for games like this and fate it's a little bit more difficult for me because i never know it's almost too open for me when i have to try to pick i, I get like a mental block for a while trying to pick my um what do they call them in fate the uh um aspects aspects this has something similar i'm like i'm not sure what to pick so luckily i table sourced it and the other players helped me kind of tag that down um, i knew what i wanted to do i just wasn't trying to put them in, a, in an aspect form and so it was a lot of fun because i enjoy building characters I enjoy building characters that are tied to other characters. I enjoy a coherent group that's coherent when the game starts. Um, I don't want to have the, you meet in a tavern. I'd rather have the, you know, you all wake up together in jail after being in the tavern last night together kind of thing where you all know each other already. Um, This group probably isn't going to meet in the tavern. Um, It was a lot of fun. Um, Phil tossed a lot of stuff our way to give us a lot of good background and things to hook onto. Um, And because we spent... The previous week collaboratively building the world and the rules, it made it a lot more fun. So it just—it was part of what I like about games are the mechanics of it. Um, and while this isn't super complicated, which is good, it was fun to see the moving parts and how they work together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was—it was a good good night together. So, um, Phil.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll, I'll tack on to that for just a second, then I'll do my one thing. Um, one of the things I really like. Um, about Cortex is like, you really have to roll your own game. Like, you gotta like go through, pick the options. Um, even the pathway thing that you're talking about, uh, that table, I took the example one in the book and made one specifically for our game based on the life path that, um, stages I wanted to go through, plus the mm-hmm. columns being like the types of families you could have come from. That was fun. Like that was like a nice exercise in like a little bit of, um, game creation while still having most of the framework there. So it was easy to draw upon. So it was a lot of fun. I'll probably talk a little bit more about it when we get into, um, the community corner. But my one thing this week, um, which is also a thing I know you guys are doing as well is, uh, No Man's Sky. Um, I played a shit ton of it this weekend, including pretty much all day yesterday. I, I took a couple breaks to eat, um, to knock out the last section of notes for the show uh, and to make a menu, I think. But that was it. I just played No Man's Sky most of yesterday. And, um What's that? Samesies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also picked up my freighter. Um I I also, I I triggered the freighter rescue mission. Um, I rebuilt my entire base and stripped it from wood to alloy um, and then rebuilt the entire inside of it. Um, I did a whole bunch of stuff with base recruitment. I got two guys now working um, in my base developing stuff. Um, I don't know. And a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I just, I don't know. At one point I got attacked by some sentinels, but I learned don't pick those things anymore. Um, saw a few planets that kind of thing anyway played a lot of no man's sky and i'm really um what's i'm really enjoying it it's uh um the way i've been playing it it's been super chill i don't really like a lot of combat so i've been just kind of avoiding combat stuff mm-hmm. um yeah. but uh, i like exploration um i like uh i've been playing the main storyline um along so i've been keeping that advancing i'm like advancing everything everywhere kind of thing so
0: i i haven't uh i haven't gone into combat if i can avoid it for more than a couple seconds i run away i'm i'm still at the i'm terrified of dogfights thing um because the controls in space are so you play yours on a on a console right yeah you see i'm doing mine with mouse and keyboard and flying in space is still very very difficult for me um so, like, with the, with the mouse and keyboard, if you move the mouse a quarter of an inch, your ship, like, flies, like, 15 degrees in another direction. So I'm still trying to get on that. So I'm looking forward to that, but right it's now I'm terrified wonky. of space battles. What was that, Bob? Yeah. I said it's a little wonky. Without going yeah, too you deep should... down the rabbit hole on this,
1: that yeah. that uh, I, I have earned my, I've killed 20 bad guys badge in space combat. So nice. <laughs> I figured it out.
2: Yeah. I'm a big fan of the rockets. The rockets seem to do a nice job, but I was watching a video today on some of the better, um, some of the better ship weapons. So I'm actually starting to um, swap some things out and start building some of those. I did get myself a nice ship though. I bought a ship off a guy at a space station um, that was like much nicer than my original starter ship. So I just parked the starter ship now in the, um, in the freighter. So anyway, that's No Man's yep. Sky. We may talk about it later. Maybe, likely, talk about it in the after show. Um, I only have one announcement, which is really just a, a plug for something that I was a um, huge fan of um, this past year that finally has reached um, fruition uh, or completion, I guess. Um, which is, and I'm going to hold it up. Oh, you can't see it on the screen because I have the auto thing. Yeah,
0: mine today also. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hello.
2: Julian K's mutants, um, mutants in the now. Um, The actual physical book came out. Mind you, this was a zine quest originally, um, but rounded out at 120 pages um, with a 120-page book with a glossy cover. Um, It is titled The Retro Modern Mutant Animal Role-Playing Game. This is the spiritual successor to TMNT without being TMNT and... um, improving upon some of the more painful things of the uh, palladium system. (laughs) Um, It is, uh, it is a homage in every sense of the word. It is an homage in terms of content. Um, It is an homage um, in layout where they used um, a typewriter font and some, um, (laughs) some layers to make it look dirty. That makes it feel like, um, the old Palladium books. I like
0: the it, fact, David. Like there's something Kevin's to there where they cross things out. <laughs> yeah. Ke- yeah, Kevin's gonna is sue them. Uh, character creation is long and complicated because characters are crossed out. Complicated. <laughs> Just yes. yeah. That was very good game. I like. But that
2: it, a lot. it's got a ton of um, it's got a ton of animals in it. Um, it. It's not super loaded in character art, but of the art that's in there, it is very reminiscent of the Eastman Leard yeah. um, mutant stuff. Like, like I played a lot of TMNT when I was in high school and, um, and like this game screams everything about TMNT. Um, cool. So I'm super excited because I will put this on the table in 2022. Like this game, this game is coming, um, whether we I'm do ready. a short arc or whatever, um, but I'm just going to plug it. Um, so it's Julian K's mutants in the now you can, you can get it for pre-order. Um, I don't know if that's still true or if this is an older card, but you can just, you can go to um, let's see, I'm looking for the Julie JK games. So I think it's jkgames.com. I'll check that out. J hyphen K let's find out.
1: We'll put a link in the oh, show yeah. notes, of
2: course, oh, because I'm sorry. J hyphen K dot games. Is the website, uh, and you can pick it up digitally on um, Drive Through. You can pick it up on Itch, it, both in, um, both digitally, and then uh, from the web page you can order a physical copy. Um, awesome. But oh, like just um, what's it? I'm loving it. I'm loving it, and I believe there's hints that there are going to be um, some supplements for it. So. Nice anyway that's our one announcement we should move on to Uh,
1: gird yourself phil because here comes the bumper and go
2: workshop workshop today we're talking about excitement here in the workshop how to find it how to get it how to be excited here in the workshop
0: and don't Don't suck (laughs) so We're at rare form tonight. Last week, we got into a good discussion about the four-game rule, which is basically that we give any game, uh, we play four games before we decide if we're going to make it into a campaign or not. And we also talked about the idea of excitement and investment, but that was just a sidebar last week. We didn't get nearly the time it deserves to talk about what that means. So tonight, we're going to unpack the idea of excitement and investment, especially excitement. This topic's especially relevant to us because we're kicking off a new game, and we want to find some of that excitement for our game.
1: Indeed, we do. All right. And of course, in order to do this discussion, Phil, we got to get some definition for you from you. So let me do the thing with the thing in the button.
2: Behold,
1: you are in the presence of definition panda.
2: Righto. Yeah, let's talk about it, right? Uh, Let's start off with two terms that I think we'll be using tonight. Um, The first one is obviously our topic term, which is excitement. A feeling of great enthusiasm and e- eagerness. Uh, and the next one is investment. The act of devoting time, effort, or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. So let's kind of take a look at these: the differences between these definitions. Uh, excitement is an emotional state, right? We are excited to do something. Investment is an action, right? It's a thing we do. In hopes of something good in return, right? So we invest emotionally in our characters. We invest our interest in uh, in the particular rule set, the campaign, etc. Right? But we are excited when we play. We are excited to get back to the table. We are excited about our character, dot, dot, dot. Okay. In RPGs, we can get excited about a game session, game, a campaign, our character, a story. Like we have a lot of things we could be excited about. Um, when we invest in an RPG, like I said, we're putting in that time and effort and energy um, with the hope that like cool things are going to happen in the game. Right. Which circularly will lead to us being excited about them. Um but the thing that I want to kind of touch on here and, and, and uh, note is that uh, you can be excited about something without having to invest in it, right? right? You can just be excited for the sake of being excited. Go ahead. Keep going. Um, conversely, it's hard to invest in something that you are not excited about.
0: Yeah, because investment takes effort, and effort is going to be an expenditure of, of, of energy, and so if you're not excited, you're going to have a much tougher time getting invested in the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, investment in anything is without excitement is hard, right? Like um, this is why like work, like, you know, New Year's workouts um, tend to take off. You know, I'm going to I'm going to the gym, right? I'm excited. It's a new year, new fill, right? Like that kind of thing. And then like by February, like it's snowy and it's morning and you're like, not, nah, nah, I, I lack the excitement to get up and go. Um, to the gym right past phil not current phil but that totally happened to me at a time when i was trying to go to the gym at six in the morning like what a knowing knowing me what a fucking terrible idea that was but anyway all right back to excitement in terms of excitement excitement can come about a few different ways
0: first is going to be the spontaneous excitement where the game we're playing is going to hit all the things we need. And we find ourselves excited just being in the game because everything's going there. But There's also deliberate excitement. And this is where we take time to make ourselves excited.
2: Yeah. I I can attest to this. I'm I'm sure it's true for both of you as well, but like I'm not excited every night that we hit the mics and I know you guys know it because you have heard me come in, you know, like, like, you know, like a dark cloud, um, Until the show bumper starts and then, you know, like show face goes on, put your show face on show face on. And the thing about it is that during the show, I tend to be um, excited and interested, but sometimes I just have to like, I don't want to say fake it, but I have to like make myself be excited during like the opening of the show credits, like just have to put like, I have to put myself there. Whether I'm spontaneous, I'm not spontaneously excited. I just have to make myself excited to get the show go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Finally, there are a couple of different ways to be excited.
0: First of all, is external excitement. This is where we get excited because other people are excited. This is why we go to the movies together or watch a sporting event together or just do things as a group together. We have fun because excitement can be spontaneous. But nope, internal we, excitement.
2: Nope. Spontaneous. Well, spontaneous is the other def- uh, definition.
0: But yes. Well, no, internal excitement is when we get excited internally from our own feelings about something that can also be spontaneous. Both can be both can happen. Yes. Because of what you're doing. Um, Internal excitement, though, is when we get excited from our own feelings. um, We're there and we find something that excites us personally.
2: Yeah. And so the thing is, you can mix and match these right internal versus external with spontaneous versus deliberate. Right. We can have, um, you know, uh, deliberate external excitement. If somebody chooses to be excited to get everyone pumped up, mm-hmm. um, we can have internal spontaneous excitement where we just get excited about a thing because we're thinking about it, right? Or just you know, our, you know, ourselves in the game just suddenly get excited about something that's going on in the game, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say, right? There are a number of paths in which in which we're, where we can go in order to be excited.
1: Exactly. So, it's pretty obvious why we would want to be excited about the game we're playing. But I suspect there's a little bit more to it than that. So, Jerry, what is the
0: Table Energy Model? All right. The Table Energy Model. This is a name we totally made up for the show. Um, But it's going to be a way we're going to talk about excitement at the game table and about the game itself. Um, First of all, we're going to assume that for these descriptions that we're talking about playing a GM-based game where somebody's a GM and that there are several players. And so, because of this, the GM is going to be the facilitator of the game, and the players are some of the contributors to the game. This doesn't mean that the players, that the GM can't also contribute, but for the basis of this, we're talking a GM as a facilitator and players and contributors. The players are going to come to the game to have fun, and if they're not selfish, they're also there so everybody else can have fun as well. The GM is there to have fun, but part of their fun is seeing everybody else have fun as well. When the players are having a good time, the GM is going to feel a sense of accomplishment for helping to facilitate that, and it becomes a feedback loop. So if the session's going well, and everybody's having a good time, then everybody should be getting excited, and we all get that good emotional feeling. When a session is not going well, then there's less excitement or sometimes no excitement, and sometimes people can leave with less of that good emotional energy.
2: Exactly. Now, between sessions, typically, players don't have too much in the way of responsibilities, right? So maybe they've got to level up their character, maybe got to figure out a few details for story background or what they want to do next or something, you know, before the next game, but it's, it tends not to be a lot of work. Um, The GM on the other hand has a lot, um, can have a lot of work, right. Depending on, especially on the game you're playing campaign, you're playing style of GMing, et cetera. Um, And most of that is going to come into session prep, right. A little bit of campaign management, but all, you know, a lot of it's going to go into session prep. Um, If the game ends with a lot of excitement, like Jerry was saying before, if the game ends with a lot of excitement, the GM goes into that between phase, you know, between games, um, excited about the last session, right? Positive, you know, like that good energy carries forward, right? That positive energy carries forward. Even if you're not working like the next day on it, you just remember like, like maybe it's like later in the week, you're going to go to work on your prep and you're like, man, that game was so good last week. Like everybody was having a good time. I was having a good time. Yep. I'm like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to get, like get some prep done, right? And you like you head right into that prep with um, with that positive attitude uh, and ready to go. If the game ends with little or no excitement, um, the GM still has all the work to do for the next game, but not any of that excitement, right? Like, mm, okay, well, last week's game was you know, or last week's game was a real grind. Got to you know prep the next chunk of it um, at best right they work through that lack of excitement and put the game together show up fresh try again right which happens a lot like when you have like like an off game right like sometimes you're like you have a game you know it's you know it's solid everybody's having a good time and you just hit like one session where you're just like eh, like a bad note and you just walk those off right so you're just like whatever i'm going to get this prep done for this new story it's going to be cool and we're going to be back up and running again no problem but sometimes right the next worst cons- the next worst um, scenario for that is um, the lack of excitement creates apathy and it's hard to prep that next session. You do it, but like, it's not your best work. Like you didn't have a great time running the game and you're like, eh, all right, let me get something out for the next game. Especially if you've been on a bad streak or if the game isn't really taking off, you're just like, ah, oh, I got to get this thing done. Right. And you, you, try to write something and get back into it and at the very worst right apathy just takes over you lose interest um you skip a session right like oh, i didn't get anything prepped guys we're gonna have to cancel um you know and you just you know that's it you just skip it or uh in its terminal case you're just like i'm not feeling it guys like like can we switch games
0: oh similar thing can also happen with the players if the game ended well and they're excited about the game, then they're gonna put some energy into thinking about their character reading up on the game, return to the game excited, ready to play. But if the game ended on a low note, then the player leaves the game and may not put too much more thought into it until the next session because they're not really excited about it. And this may become, make them even more apathetic and even more disinterested. And then they're coming to the next game less excited about the whole thing. In the worst case, they just don't want to come to the game and play that game anymore.
2: Yeah. So these two things, the thing I described about the GM and what Jerry just described, these two things are linked, right? The excitement of the players feeds the GM and the excitement of the GM into the excitement that they put into the adventure, into coming to the table, getting everything run, um, feeds, feeds back to the players. So when a game is spontaneously exciting, like this is very easy. Right, energy's up across the table. GM's good, player's good. It's feeding back between the GM and the players through play, and then it just like crests over into the in-between time between games where the GM leaves with a lot of positive energy and is like psyched to work on the next part of it. The players leave with a lot of positive energy, excited to get back to the table, doing whatever they you know little things they can for their character in between, and we're good. Right, good.
0: The problem is that when the game's not spontaneously exciting this becomes a lot harder. Sometimes all we do is wait and hope for some excitement to occur. And then in that case, we're just leaving a lot to chance. And by not putting anything into it, maybe something doesn't happen and we end up losing that energy. But if we take time to create some excitement in ourselves and share it with the table, we can hopefully boost everybody else and counter the energy suck that can occur in a situation where there's not as much going on. Um, this is a long way of saying that we're all responsible for helping to keep each other excited about the game during and between games. Um, this is one of the things that I that I do miss about being in college where three of my four players were roommates with each other. And we would literally go to lunch together. We'd set up at night together talking. And it was seriously, if two or more of the gamers were in a room together, they were talking about the games I was running. And sometimes for hours on end, well between the games. And so even though I was kind of a crappy GM back then and my plots weren't all that exciting to begin with. We came into each game excited because they had ideas of what they wanted to do, new characters they wanted to play. New, they brought that excitement to the game. Um, sometimes <laughs> at a point where I could just wing it for the whole session because they were they were doing it all themselves. And I think that's an
2: important point, right? Like, it's not one we noted, but I think that's an important point, right? Excitement, um, Excitement will fill in for a lot of gaps it'll mm-hmm. fill in when the story isn't particularly tight or original or whatever right like people will just be like oh i know it was like totally you know trope heavy but who cares we had such a great time yeah
0: mm-hmm.
2: um it'll it'll cover up for um lack of mechanical mastery or rules being clunky like um yeah the you know the um auto fire rules aren't perfect but like whatever like the rest of the game's a blast yeah like it It is, it smooths out so many rough patches in so many places. And when it's not there, you know, then we like become extra cranky, right? Like, like these auto fire rules are stupid. Like, like it doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense to use auto fire in this game. These rules are so stupid, right? Like you just like everything becomes annoying, right? Yep. So yep. It, it's another thing about excitement that's really important is like it does gloss over. I don't want to say gloss over in a bad way, but it yep. just smooths out the
1: wrinkles. Excitement is the spackle that covers the cracks.
0: The other nice thing about this, about getting excited between the games, is that stuff like that with the auto fire stuff will actually end up being. Um, helpful to the game because if everybody starts complaining about the auto fire stuff between games they'll start talking about it and talk about what they don't like and so that when it comes time to discuss it it's not just auto fire rules suck it's you know auto fire rules don't seem to work because it seems like because of you know the math everybody seems to miss or whatever and it's easier to come back to the table with a rule change that keeps everybody excited as opposed to auto fire rules suck but there's nothing we can do about it yeah. And I think that that's also part of the fun is you can talk about all sorts of things between games and keep the excitement going.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. So, so clearly the past few years have been pretty rough. There are more than enough reasons to not feel excited right now. Phil, let's take a few minutes to talk about some of the things that might be sapping that excitement.
2: Yeah, I don't want to be a downer. So I'm going to try to do this with a little bit like we're trying to be a complete downer about this, but yeah. Um there's lots of reasons not to feel excited about things and like you said these years have been rough. Um you know, we're what in the junior year of our pandemic. Um and uh you know, I don't know about you but I think the season 3 writing has gotten real lazy. Um mm-hmm. this season. Like anyway, um here's a short list of things that could be sapping um your energy. Um, and as I noted here, standard list disclaimer, this is neither complete nor in any order. Um, just some things that we put
0: down here. Yep. And we'll keep this short and sweet. First, of course, is the pandemic. Uh, for the past two and a half, two plus years, um, things have changed. And we've had to, a lot of us have had to halt gaming in person for a while. Um, most of us aren't going to conventions. And we're doing this all just to make sure we're safe. So it's been stressful on all of us. And just getting together to game that way can sometimes be stressful.
2: Yeah. Um, Look, hand in hand with the pandemic, um, either you had them before, unearthed them during, or have picked up, you know, possibly um, picked it up because of the uh, pandemic is all Mm -hmm. sorts of mental health issues from the minor to very serious, right? Anxiety, depression, um, other issues, like all of those can impact your, um, your excitement, about, you know, about gaming?
0: Of course, it could be problems we have from issues from work or at school. Um, some people were out of work for a while or still are out of work. Um, some people are having trouble with school and how it how it impacts them and how it's being handled. Um, some people are shelling back and forth between time at work. But either way, um, too much time at work or at school and dealing with it uh, in some of your off times can be stressful enough. often can kind of sap some of your excitement as well.
2: Hmm. Um, yeah. You might you might have issues within the group or with the game, right? Um, you might have unresolved issues in your group. You might have a, you know, problem player. You might have somebody who's stirring up trouble or, you know, is got a play style that's conflicting with everyone else. Um, could be that gaming uh, schedules have been disrupted. I mean, you know, uh, one of the things that we've been contending with since we went back to face-to-face has been like, you know, we'll set up for a game and then someone will have a scare right? Somebody had a COVID scare. And so now like, you know, do we, do we jam this game into online? Do we, um, do we cancel and, you know, go two weeks before the next one? Like, like we're, I don't want to say we're suffering more disruptions, but like it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's just nothing we can do. I mean, there's nothing you can do about gaming schedule disruptions anyway, but COVID has added like a whole new layer because now if somebody's like, Oh, I think I might have a cold coming on like in the past where we might've been like, yeah, it's fine. Like we, you know, like if you're feeling okay on Sunday, let's game like now it's like, uh, did you get a test? Uh, like let's, let's, let's just switch to online. And while switching online for players, isn't a big deal. I'm just going to put this out here as a side switching online for GM can be a giant pain in the ass, um, depending on what you're playing, right? Like sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's a giant pain in the ass. If you've, for instance, prepped all of your session to run tabletop and now have to jam the whole thing into Roll20, like that can be a pain Um, and vice versa, right? If you had everything set for Roll20 and you suddenly decide to play in person, um, that could also be a pain. So um, anyway, these are things um, that can be, you know, issues with the game, including just not even liking the game you're playing. But again, like we said, excitement can smooth that over. Uh, What's next, year?
0: is sometimes you just get in a rut or you take it all for granted. Um, granted. Uh, it's possible that you've just been doing the same thing with the same people for so long and you're just going through the motions and it just doesn't feel exciting and new. Um, or sometimes things have just gotten so predictable that it's not exciting anymore. Um, especially with some of the games that are more mechanical um, in nature, you get to the point where it's all the same thing, especially if you have uh, games where when the primary conflict comes up, whether it's combat or negotiation or whatever. And people have kind of found the niche that works for them every single time. And it becomes, well, okay, I know that if I use this ability and this bonus and spend a plot point, that I, I'm just going to roll into and and it. It becomes very routine. And for some people, this becomes not exciting anymore. So sometimes you need to find something else.
2: Yeah. Uh, the other one could be um, changing tasting games right? You're, uh, for most people, I I don't know, I guess for, I guess for. I'm going to say for most people, whatever, fight me later. Mm -hmm. Um, For most people, our taste in games changes over time. And sometimes we're not even fully aware of the change. Like sometimes it's tectonic, right? Like sometimes you would just Mm -hmm. encounter a game and you're like, holy shit. Like the first time I played Fiasco, right? was Mm -hmm. like a tectonic shift for me in terms of games that I liked. But, like, the thing I've noticed over the last, like, year or so is that from where I was playing, like, super, super light indie games, like, the pendulum for me, I still like those games. But, like, my interest is, like, swayed back a little towards the middle. Um, Things like Free League, um, you know, and other systems. Like, suddenly, like, I'm, I'm not opposed to playing things that have Little bit of a rule book to them. Not a ton, right? I don't like, I don't want to do any calculus for my yeah. game, right? Like champions and no no square roots, right? If square roots involved in any part of a game, I'm out. No um, BNV? No, no, right. No V, No cyborg commando. Um, but what I'm saying is like, sometimes the reason you're not excited is that you're in a campaign or you've been playing with a group and your tastes are changing mm-hmm. and like, maybe they're changing with the group. Maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can cause you, you know, some distress.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um, and then of course, as with any of these lists, um, it could just be a combination of these things, right? You're changing tasting games in the middle of a pandemic. That, yep. That's not easy, um, et cetera. So If you notice at times you are having a lack of excitement, the thing you really need to do is um, take time to reflect on what, like, why isn't this exciting anymore? Um, And challenge yourself to answer that question, Mm. right? Answer that question honestly. What is it? What am I not excited about anymore? Um, Where is it coming from? And, you know, we made a short list of things to pull from, but um, it may be from other places in your life, but it's going to be important. We're going to talk about it a bit. It's going to be important to kind of put your finger on why haven't you been excited.
1: So we've talked about why having excitement is important and reasons why it might be lacking. Jerry, what kind of things can we do to help create some excitement?
0: Well, there's no cure-all for this. So a lot of it's going to have to do with addressing what your root cause is. And this is why it's important that you have some introspection. But this is where you're going to start. And we have some general things that you could do or at least to take into consideration.
2: Yeah. Um, first one is time off, right? Um, Maybe you just want to take some time off from playing. Um, That will be helpful if some of your discomfort is temporal related, like something that is going to pass. Like maybe you're having a particularly, you know, heavy semester in school um, and just some time off to let the semester, you know, focus on the semester and then come back after semester might be the thing you need. Um, Or you could just kind of go on a gaming fast. Don't play for a bit. And See if you're excited about getting back to the game.
0: Next is basically novelty. Um, You might want to just try something new or something different to shake things up. Play a game you haven't played before. Play a game a different way you've played, played before. Basically, just do something different to shake things up. Instead of not playing at all, just do something different.
2: Conversely, the thing you might need is familiarity, right? Play something familiar. Play a known quantity. Um, A game by a known quantity, a game that you know you enjoy, uh, a game that you're excited about. I don't know. I think this is true for some of you guys. It was certainly true for me um, during the early pandemic. Uh, I didn't want to watch anything new on TV. I was like, I'm not really interested in whether I'm going to like something or not right now. I just want things that I like, Um, which is how I got back into watching Star Trek, because I was very much like, I just want something familiar. I want known quantities at this point. If I'm going to watch, if I'm going to spend an hour of my life doing something, it had better it had better increase my happiness, kind of thing. All right, Jerry.
0: What's related to that? Uh, kind of the similar thing. It's nostalgia. Play something from your gaming past. You got a game from when you were new to the gaming hobby or so excited about the hobby, a game that you were excited about in the past. Something just fun. Um, even if it's not a great game, just something you want to try again. Play that uh, TMNT game again, or dig out Face Rip Marvel and, and give it a shot. Just something that you enjoyed from the past um, that you can still be excited about today.
2: Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of pivoting pivoting from that, mm-hmm. uh, you might be needing stability, right? Making a commitment to play something for a while, or keep playing something that you're enjoying. Like stability might be the thing uh, that you need, and now might not be the time to shake things
0: up. The next part of this would be to either increase or decrease the frequency of, of uh, gaming. Perhaps you're gaming too much, and you're getting burnt out by constantly having to game. Um, this could especially happen with some GMs that get burnt out with constantly having to run something. So maybe consider reducing some of your activities. Um, if you're the GM, maybe swap out so that you're running less often and let somebody else run something. Um, or perhaps you're not interacting with the game enough. And Maybe as a GM or especially as a player, you need to increase your activities and interactions with the game itself, whether it's through talking with people about your characters or delving more into your background or being more present when the GM is running something so that you can interact with their world a little bit more and basically get more out of the game.
2: Yeah. Uh, Next one, story change, right? Change up the story. Um, Do a flashback, downtime, side quest you know just do something that isn't the normal story loop of the game so that um, changes up the flow right disrupts disrupts that pattern you know disrupts that pattern that you're kind of sunk into and uh, makes it different
0: something i used to like to do um, especially when i was running my vnb campaign was to just let the players play one of the npcs they like they bumped into a small npc group they seemed to like that group we needed to shift things up a little bit so this time we were going to run and everybody was going to be playing you know, um, the inferior five for a couple weeks or whatever and just give them a chance to play something different Um, that kind of ties into a couple things together because it gives you that uh, stability and familiarity because they're still playing the game and it's something they're familiar with but we're shaking it up a little bit because they're playing some characters that they had a meaningful interaction with that aren't their characters and they get to have a chance to kind of flesh things out and try something different. Um, But all these work really well. But you can also find excitement and generate that excitement during the game itself.
2: Yeah. Um, all of the reasons you play RPGs in the first place can be places to uh, get some excitement.
0: Oh, if you're a char- if you're a player, you can delve into your character story a little bit. If you have some idea of what you've always wanted your character to do or something about your character that you haven't explored yet, do it in the game. Talk to their players about it. Um, sometimes people get, that are fun out of just interacting with their friends at the table. That uh, sometimes it's the the table talk. Um, sometimes it's the inside jokes. Um, sometimes just take take five minutes. Um, we sometimes do this in some of Phil's games, But somebody says, I just need to break for, for a minute tell you guys about something. And we break for a minute and somebody does something really fun and we have a good time. Um, you could also just by interacting with your friend's characters in the game, finding that hook between your character and somebody else's character that gives you a chance to goof around um, maybe you have an in-game joke that your characters do um, maybe it's a it's a bit or a sketch that happens all the time. Um, you know we, we've had games in the the savage worlds game I ran. we had one character who was deliberately um, obtuse about things and when it was necessary they would make a misunderstanding and if the players were having a good time with it they would run with that misunderstanding for a few minutes. If they weren't, they just let it go but sometimes they were having a good time just reacting to each other and explaining things and so on. And as a GM, it was fun to just watch that happen because it kept the excitement going and there was a running joke. You can also spend time exploring the world the GM and often the players have created. Um, The GM drops a hook into the story and the players can take a few seconds to, or sometimes a few minutes or even a side quest to follow up on that. You know, the GM has decided to tell you about um, how really cool this group is that created... um, you know, water for babies and hydrohackers, and your players decide to spend uh, half an adventure just talking with those people, getting involved with it, uh, using their own role-playing skills in that manner. Um, For me, sometimes just engaging the fun mechanics can be part of the excitement, Um, especially games that have some player agency in the mechanics where you do something and then get to make a decision based on your dice roll as opposed to just uh, binary positive negative, things like Genesis and the like. Um, It can be fun to just get excited about you know, waiting for the next time that you roll a uh, a boon or an advantage or a perk, so you can add something you've always wanted to try. And lastly, um, whether it's developed in game or between sessions, sometimes seeing the plans you came up with come into play and seeing them run through can just be a lot of fun. You know, you come up with this heist idea and how you're all going to work together to pull this off, and it finally comes to fruition in the game. And whether it works perfectly or not, just seeing the plans you took the time to develop, come into play and see how they play out, can be exciting. There's that anticipation to see what happens when the next thing happens. We're seeing this in our Knights Black Agents game. We're about to try to pull off a major bait and switch, and we're going to try to um, put a couple trackers on some vampire stuff and figure out what they're doing. And there's a lot of moving parts, and we've been talking out of game about what to do with this. And I'm excited to see what happens. It's not going to go off the way we expected. That's part of the fun, that excitement about what's going to happen, what's going to work, and what's not going to work, and how are we going to do it? So all these other things you can do in-game to keep that excitement going. If you start to see the excitement lagging, um, either with yourself or somebody else, you can work into that. As a cooperative player, if you see somebody just seems to be kind of lacking excitement, maybe when you get a chance, ask that player something else about their character. And if you can do it in character, even better. You know, Um you know, hey, Bob, doesn't, um, you know, Mach just have such and such? Or don't, you ha- don't you have a connection to, you know, the princess of cats? And they'll let you go off on your little story about it and give you a couple minutes because you'll get some excitement out of interacting and being an active player. Don't wait for the GM to always have to do that. Do that as a player. Get people involved and bring them into the scenes. Anyway, that's me. I'm excited about it. <laughs>
2: yeah no i think i mean i think those are good points right like sometimes we just have to focus ourselves on what's the thing what like why is it i like to come to the table right i would again say on introspection if you can't answer that question um you need to dig deeper right like I, i don't mean like try harder but i mean like if you can't answer the question about what what makes you excited about coming to the table that's that's a problem right what is it that makes you excited about coming to the table like it can't just be because we always do it on Sundays. That's, you know, in like in business, we always do it this way is a terrible um, yeah. reason for anything in gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, the next part, I had set up a slight disclaimer on because when I wrote it, I was like, oh, of course. And I snapped my fingers and I was like, yes, that's not very respectful. This next suggestion is one that is not going to be possible for everyone. Um, it'll depend a lot on the person, a lot on their situation. Uh, We present it in a very general way, um, but we respect that everyone um, is different. And so this advice is not going to fit for everyone.
0: All right. For some people, it's going to be possible to psych yourself up before you come to the game. Get excited. Get yourself all all, all, all kind of fizzed up. But when we do, and if everybody else can make the game exciting, then we feed off that energy between the games. So how can we make ourselves excited, Phil?
2: Yeah, so you can find an aspect of the game that you really enjoy, focus on that. Um, Either, you know, between games before the game or, you know, heading into the game. Um, You can find some inspiring music. Like I I know like when I ran my um, Iron Heroes game, I had like a number of songs that were like in short rotation that I would just play, like especially the Sunday, like we would play on Sunday. So I would play them like Sunday during the day, like heading into the game because it just got me like, you know, like totally psyched up about, you know, about, you know, the, the about the game. Um, the other thing is you could take some time to be mindful before the game, focus on some positive energy, like instead of like rushing out the door and like a complete rush, you know, like in a complete whirlwind heading to the game, like take a few minutes, sit down, clear your head, just think about the game, think about hanging out with people, think about like, you know, the positive things that that brings, right? The fun that we're going to have, the story that we're going to tell, those things and do that and see if that doesn't just add a little excitement.
0: I think it's, it can be a lot of fun for for me. A lot of gaming is seeing and hanging out with my friends. And the fact that while we all like the same kinds of games, we game very differently in character. And I get excited getting in there to see um, like, I like Bob and I like Glenn, but you guys are very different in your approach to gaming and how you play your characters. And they're both a lot of fun to watch. Um, uh, our friend Sean tends to play characters that have a little bit more introspection and, um, I don't know Jim very well, but I enjoy gaming with him. It's just fun to see what Jim's going to do this week because while Jim's been gaming with you guys for a long time, I'm new to the group. So I get psyched up coming in, but I think about that before I come in, what are we going to do this week? How is everybody going to interact? What am I going to see? Uh, you know, Glenn do, what am I going to see, uh, Jim do? And I think about that. It gets me psyched up so that when I come through the door, I'm in a good mood right off the bat. Plus, part of it's just fun to see everybody. Um, even if I've had a crappy drive in, the minute I walk through that door, I'm still in that, that different mood. And not everybody can do that, but that's something I, I focus on. Um, and then I get involved in the game because I want to see what, what Phil's going to throw at us and how he's going to make things a little bit more interesting for us. And by interesting, <laughs> creative. So that's what I like. So don't just try to be happier. Because not everybody can just be happier. But if it's possible, focus on the positive activities before the game to get you in the best headspace at possible. So that when you sit down to the game, you've got some excitement and you're getting uh, out of whatever it was that maybe took some of that excitement away. All right. Before we head into the break, Jerry mentioned the
1: possibility of interacting with the game more. Phil, how can we do that if we have a fixed schedule for playing?
2: Yeah, let's just touch on this really quick, right? Um, I've talked about this before a lot um, in my past. I've written about it before on Gnome Stew. Um, There are activities that we can do between sessions that allow us to interact with the game when we're not playing. Um, These activities um, can generate excitement um, and also will generate investment, right? Because this is the putting in effort, right, for something... Uh, good to happen right like if i'm doing some stuff between games i'm investing for a better outcome when we play right and not that you're doing it to make a better outcome of the game but what i'm saying is you're doing it it's going to lead to a better outcome there are a couple of things you can do here is a quick list of them
0: well first you can chat about the games um, if you have discord or slack or something like that um, you can put some time into going to the talk chat to talk about the game between sessions. You can talk about the current story, talk about your character. Um, You can have conversations in character. Some of the things that um, can build your character, character stories. You can um, discuss jokes, discuss in-game things, maybe just discuss what's going on in the world. Um, If you're playing a game like Eberron or Forgotten Realms, that has a lot of deep history. um, There either might be things that other players don't know about or things that just want to explore that involve talking about things out of game. And this is a great way to do it and it creates a written record so that you can go back and refer refer to it and if your GM is clever he'll go in and look at that too and maybe pick up some uh the GM they might pick up some ideas on what the players want to explore next.
2: Yeah. Uh next thing is character activities. Uh there are some things you can do as a player um between games. You can work on parts of your your you know uh your character. Uh, you can write some backstory Um, If you don't want to do any backstory, uh, you can do a character journal, right? So you could write like your, um, you know, impressions of what's going on. You can draw art. You can do other forms of creative expression, write letters to, you know, NPCs, things like that. Um, There's all sorts of extra things uh, that you can do. Um, You can come up with minor NPCs that are just like in the orbit of your character. Like, oh, hey, I've never fleshed out like the technician who keeps our ship in order. Like, I'm just going to give them a name, quick little description about the person. Um, you can write up descriptions of your powers. Like, if you have superpowers, like, how much thought have you put into, like, what do your powers look like narratively? Um, if you're a martial artist in a game, like, have you looked at some, like, you know, fight? Um, have you looked at fighting techniques or even action movies and just thought, like, oh, I totally want my character, like, to, to do that takedown? Like, that, you know that one hand grab by the throat and, you know, take them down to the ground kind of thing. Like I totally want to do that in an upcoming game, right? You can just, you can do that. Like you can just think about like your character's abilities. Um, you can plan out your advancement levels, right? Like maybe you're, you know, halfway to like, you know, I don't know, umpteenth level. You might want to like, you know, pick some, you know, potential feats, do a little research. Like, oh, hey, I checked online. Like turns out that, um you know, I was going to go this way, but if I take this path instead, like, probably going to, you know, benefit me more for what I want to get out of the game. Like, those are all activities you can do uh, in between sessions that are going to just, you know, keep you, uh, keep your mind in the game.
0: Next thing you can do is you can do actual gaming activities. For example, you can read the rules and supplements that pertain to your character. You know, learn everything about the spells or powers that you have. Maybe write them down or print out information or do more details on them. Um, you can find some communities focused on the game and you can talk about it there. And you can make extra character sheets, do handouts. Um, uh, when I was running Eberron, one of the things that happened is everybody had an apartment and between games people were drawing out the layouts of the little apartments on three by five cards. We had a map of where everything was. And as they got new things, you know, they needed a perch for the pseudo dragon, or they needed a place to put the painting that they stole. They'd put that in their little, in their little building. Um, and all that just become things that, that add to the game, but gave them something to do outside of the game. Um, and they're all fun.
2: One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite creative expressions um, for a game was done by, um, was done by our friend Sean uh, when we were playing our, um, our D20 Heist game way back in the early 2000s. And Sean made every character in the game their own music mix on CD like he had a he had a mix for every one of the characters that was a mix of music as well as like quotes from movies and stuff all in a single cd um and they were awesome like i loved the mix for my gm pc vic like i listened to it all the time like during and and every time i listened to it it was just another moment that i'm in the game and uh we would even put them on like before we started playing we would just like we had them in the going to date myself here had him in the cd changer on random right so circulating among all the you know among all the discs so like but that was the, the it was fantastic it also as not part of this um part of this talk but also a thing to consider is it is also an artifact um that disc um while still viable um i could listen to it now as an artifact a reminder of the game that we yeah. played
0: We did that when I ran my Mechton campaign that we had. We didn't do it. Sean took it very cool that that he had to mix for everybody. We had just one for the game, but we had um, everybody had their own theme song. Um, We had a whole bunch of songs people picked for uh, the romantic situations that were all kind of kind of rocky. Um, People had action sequences. Uh, Whenever somebody decided to launch the ship, they played the... um, the song from Back to the Future, the the instrumental, when they're racing, to they mm-hmm. get the da da da, And it does add a lot to the game, but people kept adding more to it to the point where we had CDs and cassette tapes floating around. Because, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but not by much. We didn't have a lot of CDs. We had all cassette tapes for those. But, uh, yeah, that's a big thing that can help. And uh, and it keeps the players involved because they're all picking things that they like to add to the game. I'm service waiting for the GM to make their own little mixtape. It's a good idea.
2: okay cool um yeah look this is um this is by no means an exhaustive list but the thing about these things and i'll just equate this really quick this is one of the reasons why magic is so popular right one of the reasons why magic is so popular is that um when you actually play the game you need two people to play the game right so you have to go find somebody who's also willing to play And sit down and play a game with them kind of like a role-playing game in order to play role-playing game you got to go find like four people sit down with them at a certain time and play but when you're not playing someone in magic you have all the stuff you can do with messing with your decks and buying cards and stuff like that and it makes the game as you know if you've played magic for any length of time makes game super Mm -hmm. addicting because um you just constantly think about the game and that's what you're trying to mimic here with these activities is that you're trying to mimic that magic effect. There's only so many times we can sit down and play the game together. And that gives us excitement. If we want to carry that excitement or prime it, these out of game things are things that can help. The problem is these out of game things take time, energy and investment, Um, which if you're struggling to survive in a pandemic, for instance, and they like, these might be harder to accomplish. They're still good things to do, but they could like they could be harder. They're going to require you to like do some more stuff. But I do hypothesize that if you do some of these and you do them on a regular basis, like it'll play into that table energy uh, model that we talked about where you'll be more excited when you get to the game, you'll be excited at the game, there'll be this external excitement. Um, getting you um, you know going through the group that carries over into the next in between like that's how this goes right like that's how we get into I'm so psyched to play this game is the snowballing of all these little things into some major excitement
0: all right so that's our overview about excitement for your games we're going to take a break now and check with the chat room but first Bob's going to tell us about another show on the Mr. Mark Network
1: yeah, today I want to say uh, you need to check out Bonestone and Obsidian. Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D. Yeah, I know Dune is cool, but have you, have you heard of Dark Sun? Hell yeah, sun? I've heard dark of Dark Sun. sun. <laughs> um, that, again, Dark Sun is one of those settings that I would really like to play a game in for more than like just a one-shot, just to, to really dip my toes into that sandbox and see how it plays because um, that's a world that's very interesting to me. It's very compelling. There's a lot of, uh, of neat stuff in it, um, but I haven't really had the opportunity. So it's, you know, that's the way it works sometimes. All right, chat room. Apparently, uh, the queen had some kind of a comment about snakes. I don't know why, but I, I may have missed something when I was yeah, I'm <laughs> oh, checking
2: the- She's excited. So in their most recent game, they had a, a moment where um, the I believe the Fae Queen or something had a crown of snakes. And the players immediately jumped in and started playing the snakes and giving them names and stuff like that. I remember like reading that.
0: that. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, i But explain it.
2: But yeah, I, I really, we're literally... Are we just a, are we a chat room of one tonight? Like, is that the... Like, I see the queen. I don't know if anyone else is in tonight. Yeah, it very well remember. could be. We could just be like a chat. We could just be a, like just a one...
1: Uh, but no worries. Uh, you no know, um, worries. Unless somebody's like the, lurking, uh, which is fine. That's...
2: I like the company.
1: Um, yeah. Just yeah. a side note real quick. Phil, you, um, I feel like your mic is in a different position than it normally is because you're getting like super hot right into the mic and then you turn your head just a little bit and you're out of that and you and you kind of soften up a little. I hate um, moving it sorry, during the show. I just wanted show, to bring that up. Let's see if we
2: can't try that see if that yeah. handles my head turning a little
1: bit better um so yeah we've got cool. uh lemming 127 is in the house just uh just quite paying attention and rapture oh, our uh our uh our amazing podcast abilities because you know we're just that good right that's clearly the answer yes <laughs> all right well then when, let's
2: jump back in well hang on so oh. when jerry was talking before yeah, about having like specific songs for different like moments in the game. Um, it got me thinking. One, because I'm writing an article tomorrow about um, for Gnomes Two about making tropes, like making your own tropes in games. So like always playing the song when the ship takes off or something um, is really good. Having a theme song, right, to open up your uh, you open up your game with, right? Like that's tropey, like you know, totally fun. Um, and then tangentially, it got me thinking about, um, for no particular reason, but I was thinking about the Hill Street Blues theme song. Like, do you remember that song? Mm-hmm.
0: Dun, 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 there you go. Dun, 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 do you know that dun,
2: thing made the Billboard Top 100? Yep.
0: That like, not surprise me. In, in it 1981. It used, on, used to play on Buffalo Radio here. Yeah. In
2: 1981, it made it to, like, number 10. Like, yeah. I'm just... Um. Anyway, it's um, uh, it was uh, written by this guy, um, Mike Post, um, and it was Post's yeah, second Post. top 10 hit. Um, his first one came in 1976 with the Rockford Files theme song, yep. which was also a killer
0: theme song. Yeah, the Rockford Files is <laughs> I'm going to one up you, Phil,
1: <laughs> while we go deeper down into this tangent. Yes. The theme from SWAT. Oh, actually sure. Reached oh, my God. Number one on the Billboard Hot 100 singles, February 28, 1976. That is a slap in tune. I love the theme from SWAT. Come
0: on. One, two, three. Actually, the the modern version of it is not a bad show. My wife watches it all the time, and I've caught a couple episodes. Oh, it's got the,
2: I forget the guy's name, but the main actor is the guy from Criminal Minds. I loved him on Criminal Minds. Shamar
0: Moore. Yes, yeah, he's it's, fantastic. It's, yep. it's a fun show, but it's it's got and 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 Sometimes. the 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 theme song still rocks. Yep. Uh, for me, it's always going to be Battle of the Planets. The the <laughs> the theme song for Battle of the Planets is always one of my favorites. Uh, which you have to look that one up. I'm not going to try to sing that one because you need to get too much orchestra. <laughs> no.
2: To yeah. no. Yeah. No. I will. I will say this: if you are, um, if you have been in Buffalo for a while, and I don't know how many listeners of ours um, are actually from Buffalo. But back in the um, late '90s, um, the um, DJs uh, for The Edge, Shred and Reagan, did a whole project where they did um, they they took submissions from people remaking classic theme song TV theme songs and made a compilation album out of it. And and there are some if I remember, there's like some obscure people, and then like I think even the Goo Goo Dolls threw something in.
1: Well, well yeah, of course, the Goo Goo cool Dolls would jump in because they're local. They're local boys. All right. Yeah, there was
2: a, there was a CD that came out that was, um, like, it was a whole thing. Like, yep. And, and the, the songs on it were actually, like, um, they were really good. Like, there were some really good um, remakes. Oh, Lance Diamond was on there.
0: Lance Diamond. Of course. There you go. Mort, right? Mort Sahl did a collection a couple years ago where they took some um alternative rockers and did versions of steady morning songs um like uh was it liz fair did the banana oh, the morning breakfast and... cereal yeah i have that album uh yeah that's but that um, was also oh yeah that was a good one have you heard the joan jet version love is all around from the mary tyler moore show no. that song's amazing you know love is all around no it just it's Look it up. I, I'm not going
1: to try to. I just remember <laughs> the uh, the reggae ish version of uh, uh, Hong Kong Fooey. That was just yes. glorious. Yeah, that was that was sublime, wasn't it? Yeah, sublime. do Sublime did yeah. that
0: version. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Enough about music. We should jump back into the second half of the show or the the second segment because it's not really half. <laughs> mm-hmm. In any event, we're going to do the roundtable starting with this question. Phil,
2: sure. Right now uh where are you in terms of excitement for the games that you are running or playing
0: i'm not running anything right now but playing um start with nice black agents um i'm excited about this game and i'm enjoying the flow um it's doing a lot of things that i've wanted other uh, campaigns with conspiracies to do and i'm getting a buzz out of the story the adventure i like the way that the, the um mechanics work um i enjoy the way our group of spies um get rather interaction and get to interact with each other. And on the few times that we've had to deal with actual like physical combat, um, it's either been terrifying, which a vampire adventure should be, or it's been very Jason Borney where there's like quick, brutal action and then it's over. Um, combat is not one of those things in this game that takes three hours to play out. Generally it's over with in less than five minutes, um, for better or for worse. Um, and we've had interesting uh, heists and we've encountered some interesting characters, all the things I like out of a game. And um, we've been building up on it and it's been exciting. Um, And the other game that we're starting to play is Ox. And I'm excited about this one. This is gonna be our Cortex game. Um, I actually enjoy Cortex. I've played it a couple times in the past and I thought it was a good game system. Um, Never ran it, um, but enjoyed playing it. And I'll admit the character generation for this was a bit fuzzy because we're making it up as we went along but i'm excited about it and it was fun to interact with the other pcs and it's fun to interact with the players um, i enjoy the game mechanics and i can't wait to see how they work um, and because of that i like interacting with good game mechanics i've said before that one thing that bothers me are games that um, you get to the point where you do everything possible to avoid picking up the dice because the mechanics suck this is a game where i'm looking forward to role-playing and doing things and getting involved with, with rescuing people and being the smartest people in the room. But also I'm looking forward to, you know, coming up with challenge, coming up with ways to defeat challenges and then picking up those dice and rolling them. It's, it's just satisfying to do that as well. So um, yeah, my excitement is high on both of these. So, Oh, you know, I should, I forgot the third one Um playing vason We haven't played it for a couple of weeks, but playing vason with GM Glenn Seiler, um, which is the free league, Scandinavian uh, Victorian horror role playing game and it's another game where you're not supposed to fight the monsters you're supposed to figure out what's going on Um, you know you might come across a haunting and there might be a witch who is you know killing people and you find out that the reason that, that she's doing that is because you know she was betrayed and burnt at the stake and now you've got to you know dig up her ashes and also turn in the people that that betrayed her you're not going to fight the witch. You're going to find a way to put her soul to rest. Yeah. That's another exciting game because every time we go into it, um, it's a mystery to be solved. And, and of course, we got Glenn GM again. So there's always interesting story mechanics and also some interesting NPCs to deal with. Um, so all three of them are fun. Bob? Oh, excuse me. Big yawns.
1: Um, so, and for NBA, uh, I'm fairly excited about this um my my character has now finally embraced their new drive to slay vampires because that's that's you know like <laughs> a big thing for him um but we've been driving so hard at investigating that we haven't taken a break like the characters have been going nonstop for like i don't know like three mm-hmm. weeks or so, or two two weeks like with no time off like a day or two and we haven't had like a really serious vampire encounter yet and it's kind of like the calm before the storm So right now my excitement is kind of tempered just a little bit by that anticipation, which I know feels like it's counterintuitive. It should be, I should be more excited because of the anticipation, but it's kind of like just backed me off just a little bit. Um, but we're, that, that game is about to just explode into action. Like it's, it's so close. So that'll, that'll be fine. Um. Aux I'm pretty excited about. Um, the, the character creation session um, was everything that I love about character creation sessions. Sitting and in, in, in putting bits into the world and making connections between different things and characters. And, and going around the table and doing all of that stuff. <clears throat> and then of course as I noted at the top in the one thing I, I put together the character thing for us. Um, which I really, really enjoyed doing. Um, there's a tiny bit of trepidation for me that, that I share with Phil. Um, he's gonna go into it in more detail when he talks about ox um, but yeah I'm pretty excited about it and now- yeah
2: um for me uh, NBA I'm pretty excited this one's for me this is like a known quantity right um, the game's doing exactly what it's supposed to do the um, everybody's in like every when we're, when we're playing everybody's engaged um, and uh, I, I, I like I, I like the way the missions come out um, and I really like um and I like this especially for NBA, not as much as I I would I wouldn't do it as much in other games. I really like building the conspiracy and then like peeling off the pieces and showing it to you. Like as you guys are starting to discover things like your like the current thing you've discovered about how the vampires are attempting to um, mass produce more like more daywalkers, like is like a relatively um, terrifying discovery to make. Yeah. Um, which is also the reason why you guys have not slowed down, right? Like you have not slowed down because you're like, you like, you've found this discovery and the sense of urgency is pretty high. Um, but, um, I really enjoy that. That game is, um, that game is doing everything it's supposed to and everybody's interacting with it. So I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy with that one. Like no problem there. Um, I'm running, um, thirsty sword, lesbians one-on-one with Senda. Uh, and that game actually I'm having a lot of fun with. We've played two sessions so far. Um, it's, um, I was worried that playing one-on-one would be different and it's a little different, but it's not really throwing anything off. Like in terms of GMing, it's still doing like, it's still GMing the way I know how to GM. So it's, it's totally working. Um, There's some stuff about matching up TSL um, with the setting that we're using because we made our own setting, you know, based on uh, long live the queen that we were developing, and so there are some places where TSL um, doesn't have a move where I'd be like, ooh, I wish there was a move for this, right? And we keep using like basically the defy, I think it's defy disaster, but you know, it's a defy danger move. And so I have have some, um, I don't wanna say trepidation. I am watching for a few more sessions to see how the TSL rules line up. But I did say to Senda that I'm committed enough and enjoying this game that um if tsl is not the rule system i would have no problem flipping it into cortex prime Um, it wouldn't take much to actually just grab a couple components um pick a few mods and flip the rule system over i would be okay with that we'll see i'm i'm not by any means writing off tsl but i i do know from when i was play testing um I keep saying I, but Senda was in every like pretty much every damn playtest. <laughs> when we were play testing um, when we were playtesting hydro hackers, like there were a couple times where we had to make moves because we kept finding or make or change moves because we kept finding gaps in what people wanted to do versus what was on the sheet. And and that's kind of where I feel like I am with TSL right now. Like I feel like it might need a couple moves that we didn't make for our specific um Genre or maybe, you know, maybe um, it's not quite the right fit. But we'll see.
0: PSL is a a PBTA game, right? Yep. That is a problem I sometimes see with PBTA, that you want to do X and none of the moves let you do X.
2: Well, so let's be clear. In a PBTA game, it's not that you can't do X if none of the moves do it. If none of the moves do it, it typically just happens. What I'm finding is that... For things that should just typically happen, I would like there to be an element of possibility of failure, right? So I'm like, oh, I wish there was a move here because it would propel the story in interesting ways. If we had to, like, you know, for um, social, you know, interactions or something, like they would be cool if there was a move here. But in the absence of moves in a, um, in a um, PBTA game, they tend to just happen, right?
0: So like, I, like I've been in games where I've asked a question and the GM says, okay, do X, you roll your dice. The GM says, okay, you can answer one of these three things. I'm like, none of those three things are what I asked. I asked X. And they're like, well, you have YZ and, and A. I, and I'm like, I mean, that, that I, doesn't, that doesn't I, that's yeah. Go ahead.
2: I personally relax on that. Or if you're yeah. doing a good job in designing the move, the last option in the list is a super blank question that lets the player shove in, pretty much whatever they whatever they need to ask if it's and that was a thing that like came out of pbta games as they evolved Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i mean i the the one i have um for collecting information um has a bunch of prompts like for questions you could ask and then there's just like a really like generic one that's like i forget like why blank or something and it's designed for the gm and i think i even said it in the rules like just let the player ask a question Right? Like, like they made the role. Let him ask the question.
1: And let's not you forget, PBTA like in games, general, by the way. Yeah, yeah, PBTA games in general are designed for a specific play experience for the thing that they're wrapped around. Yep. And so if you're doing that thing, you're probably okay. No fault at all yep. on thirsty sword lesbians for what you're experiencing, no. because you're taking a different thing and trying yep. to push it into the, the TSL box. And it's not quite fitting. So, you know, you tweak a little or whatever, but.
2: Right. um, And TSL has settings that you then pair up with the game. mm -hmm. And most of the settings have like one extra move. And I'm like, I want to put like four extra moves in this game. And I just like, we might like send and I just might do that. Like we might just go back through and be like, you know what? We don't actually need to change rule systems. We need three more moves and let's quick write write them up. Um, So that may also solve the TSL thing. The game itself is plenty exciting. And whether we keep playing in TSL, whether we flip it to Cortex Prime or we play it in TSL and just add in four more moves, I'm pretty happy with where it is. So I'm digging that one. Pandemic, or I'm sorry, Aux is the one where I'm not sure about. Um, The group, this particular play group has not had a solid run of games in a while. Um, I think a lot of that's pandemic related. Um, I think we took a big hit during the pandemic, um, and you know, where our other group, which is playing Knights Black Agents, before that they were playing, um, you guys were playing Forbidden Lands, um, and that was pre-pandemic, right? That game group has had, um, two long-term continuous games. Like it's, that game group is very steady, um, the game group that's playing Ox was my group that played um, Masks, Tales from the Loop, uh, Blades in the Dark, like, had a really good run of games for a while. And then it, like, fell apart around the pandemic. Like, we never, I don't think we, I don't think since the pandemic we've gotten a stable game in for this group. Like, we've burnt through a couple things. We had some non-starters. Is that if, I'm, you're in that group, yeah. Bob. However, I mean, Jerry, you're in that group now, but you weren't yeah, in that that's group. That's what I was just right. going to
1: say. We've got new blood. Since uh, yeah. partway, uh, we've had a couple of games with, with Chris. Chris was in uh, uh, IHunt. Um, Jerry, you guessed it in IHunt, didn't you? Yeah, J- yep. Jerry was guessing um, yep, guess So with I Hunt. Chris and Jerry, now there's also some new blood. So, I mean, it, it remains to be seen where this game is going to go. So far, the players seem to have a fairly good level of excitement about it. Um, yeah, my
2: other, my other trepidation for this game is that um, it's a heavy lift for me. Um, it's a rule set that not many of us are familiar with. I think Jerry's the only one, and Chris has some passing familiar, familiarity. Okay. Most of us don't have an extensive knowledge in the rules. And even if you did, it doesn't completely matter because we had to make a rule package for this game. Yeah, The setting is homebrewed, um, which puts, you know, some extra work on me to, uh, fill in like the worlds as we go. Um, and honestly, um, it's a game without fighting. Um, it's a game about solving, um, disasters and things like that with, you know, with science with a capital S and then an, you know, exclamation point. Um, so I'm even, you know, at this point, um, a little trepidatious about how I'm going to set those up as, um, things that you don't just take out in a, in a skill check. Right. Like how to make the play loop interesting um, when it comes to like, you know, uh, discovering a disaster and figuring out how to deal with it and getting the materials or building it like all like I got to I need to figure all that stuff out. Like nothing for this game, um, nothing for this game is out of the box, unlike NBA, which is like literally um, open up the game, consult the vampire section on making your own vampires do a little brainstorming around that consult the conspiramid stuff for making a conspiracy pick a european city and let's get cracking right yep. in a setting mm-hmm. in a setting that i know for, i know well in a game that i actually helped do writing for like nba is a very known quantity for me right it was a very comfortable when you guys picked it it was very comfortable for me to do and i've not had any real problems getting off the ground ox is the exact opposite of all of those things It's a system I don't know in a world that's underdeveloped in a play style and play loop that like we've never really done before. And I'm a bit nervous about all of that. Like it's a lot. If
0: if I can assuage a couple of things, I think first of all, you've got a bunch of players who are extremely forgiving when it comes to do we know the rules or not? If we make mistakes, we are all more than willing to say, you know what? That didn't work. Let's do something different. Or you know what? That was an idea where you know we need to change it a little bit. I don't think this group has ever been critical of of, of you as a GM or other players for those interpretations. So I think that that is something that, um, at least from the player side, I think Bob will agree with me on this. If we have mm-hmm. to change a few things or figure things out on the fly, we're all very patient to take care of that, and it, it'll work. Um, also, you've got us here to help you when it comes to doing like world generation. I mean, you wanna you wanna come to uh, you know, you want to expand things because we've we've kind of fleshed out the four worlds we've got. Um, I'm pretty sure if you told everybody, you know, we got two weeks, I want everybody to come up with a world and toss it to me and then we're going to toss it back out and just do what we did in person. We can do that again. When we get to the, when we get close to figuring out, we could say, okay, you know, everybody come with the world. And then between weeks, we're going to scramble them up and everybody come up with a culture for it. And then you can fill in the blanks after that. And that can take some of it. I mean, w- you've already incorporated all that into the game already we can use that because i think everybody would enjoy the heavy lifting and, and it's another good way to get excitement to the players back into the game not that we're putting yep. our I'm, own plot i'm
2: here, 100% so. for that
0: like yep. yeah 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 we're, we're here you know we're here to help each other as you know we're friends so uh we're more than happy to to take yep. some of that lifting off if it becomes something that you need for a week or two um yep. so whatever just letting you know we're here for you and i think you knew yep. that but we're just going to say it again so. Yeah. I
2: just, I don't know. Like it, I guess the thing that I'm most concerned about is like, I don't know. It, it hasn't looked like anybody's been excited to come to the table in a while. Like, like, are we gaming on Sundays? Yes. Are we gaming regularly? Yes. Is anyone excited during that particular, during that particular Sunday? I'm not going to, the NBA game is like all set, but I, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. Like, I'm not sure where, um,
0: I'll be honest. I think the only thing that sucked the some of the excitement out of this was the fact that it's taken us three weeks. It's taken us three sessions to get to session one. We had yeah. we had a, actually four sessions. We had a what game are we gonna play next session. Then we had a um, let's talk about the rule set. What rules we're gonna use. Then we had a let's let's do character generation and world and world generation. Then so it's taken a couple of weeks to do. We basically had about twelve hours—not not twelve complete hours, but twelve hours of pre-game prep before the game is started. I think once the game starts, excitement will ramp up very quickly. So, yeah. my um, cat just sneezed. So, and um, you're right. We
1: we have it's a different paradigm from what we're used to. This kind of play yeah. style where there's not a lot of world information out there, so we're all going to mm-hmm. be making it up on the fly. And yep. this particular group. I think is going to excel at oh we need a uh, we need a, a a location on a planet that something like this might happen bam somebody on at the table is going to pop that out very yeah. quickly uh, oh we need a consortium that's going to be into that kind of sh- shenanigans bam we're going to have it like that kind of thing is going to come we're not all used to doing that very much Um, so, you know, we might have to,
0: you know, ramp it up a little bit, but I think we're going to be fine once we actually get going. So, I mean, I realized you weren't in our band of blades game, but that happened a lot in band of blades where it's like, okay, we need to have five, we need to have a squad of five characters and we need to have names and a quick personality trait for each of them. And while somebody was doing their thing, we would talk back and forth in five minutes. We had five new NPCs to play real quick. And that was all done player side. And the G and and then we jumped back in again, for, so that the GM didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. Um, and then we interacted with them. So uh, I, yeah. as a player, I love that stuff too. I'll be honest. I think part of it is the GM and me. I like to design things, and so when the when the when the GM says, "I need a design for this real quick," it's fun to jump in with that kind of thing. Um, but that also gives you a chance to do whatever you want to do, and we can all work together. Yeah. Anyway, I also understand your trepidation. I'm not saying that yeah, it's a, yeah. I, I under, but I just want to let you know exactly. that if you need, if you need help or if you're, if you're, I don't know, if you're worried about disappointing us or something like that, that's not going to happen with this.
2: I mean, I'm so. just hoping we get one off the ground. Like we haven't had, we haven't had a, we haven't yeah. had a successful one for this slot in a while.
1: Like, and I think that's, that, that is part of the equation. It's a combination of this particular group for this particular night. Has not had a good track record over the last few few games, and now we're coming in with an unknown quantity of stuff that's not super familiar. That like we're adding to the potential yeah. <laughs> negativity of the I whole only thing. One, it's like, I, only I think one it's question. actually going to benefit us.
0: Is it OX or NBA that's on Super Bowl night? Well, I don't know. I uh, don't know yet. Have we're going to, have to skip. I think we're going to skip that
2: one. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I so. mean, we. I mean, look, we're in the we're in the spot of the year where um, playoff football determines, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to catch certain games, you, you know, or not. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I, I mean that I, I don't worry too much about like, that'll just, you know, listen, if the bills make yeah. the Bowl, we're not playing any role playing games like period. Yeah. Right. Like just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like, like no one's no, no, I don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen. Like, of course that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm not worried about that. That will just, we'll just, it'll be what it'll be. I just, yeah i would like to i would like to not have a struggle for the next game right yeah. like i would like to not Agreed. i would like the table to be excited to be there i would like yeah. to feel some level of excitement um and, you know to be able to draw upon it as well like that's a lot, a lot of um you know we've just we've had such a run on this group that um and some of it was tone of games and things like that like i i don't know I, I just I need I need a winner, right? Yeah. I need a winner, and I need it to be, um, and I want it to be fun, right? I, that's that's what that's that's what I need. And it's not like I haven't had this problem before, right? Like I've had this problem, mm-hmm. you know, with a slump in the past and things like that. Um, but man, when you get them, like, it, you know, it's that table energy thing, right? Like it, yep. the harder it gets for me to put together a game and run it the harder it's going to be for, you know, to get excited about it Um, and to get people excited about it. Like that's the like it's a it's enough of a struggle right now that I'm even struggling to read the rules for the game. I haven't even finished the rules for the game, like hardly finished the rule, like hardly read the rules. And we're about like we're two weeks out from playing this game.
0: That I think is the only stumbling block because the game because of the fact that it's a game where you pick and choose the rules you want. It's tough sometimes when you're reading the book, and you're trying to remember is this like, like we talked about like stress, like I forgot, is this a rule we need to pay attention to or not? Yeah. Once we, once we get into it, I think once we play it, I actually have a couple of questions. I think I'm going to post to the, uh, to the Slack room board because I have some questions about the ship. And I think that unless you have some firm ideas on what you want with the ship, I have some questions that for the players about how they view their ship, the shape of the ship, you know, crew members, that kind of stuff. And I just want to toss that out there for discussion. And that can help get us kind of fired up for what's going to happen when the first game starts.
2: Yeah. I don't think I have anything. I, I don't have very much other than I know the ship talks. Yeah. Um, and I assume that I, I hadn't assumed that there was any other crew. Like I just assumed that the ship like ran off of you guys, but we can talk, but, but I don't have any of that nailed down enough yeah. to commit and to any of it. It's also so we should, flexible we
1: should... to, to change in the future. Like we could start yeah. out where there's nobody else on the ship with us. And then, you know, like, something happens and we unlock a protocol and all of a sudden like there's little helper bots like they have on disco, whatever. Like, like who knows? I like we those. Get, I,
2: I love those. I love those. Disco those little helper bots. Bots I do too. I do
0: too. What
1: I would suggest Phil, that I think is going to help tremendously is um, when you get a chance, take a moment and then we'll jump into question two after this, cause we got to get moving. Um, take a moment and go into the Slack room and make a list of the components that we chose. Of the rules pieces that we picked from from the prime game and then i'll go into the book and i'll pull those the relevant pieces out and make a cheat sheet of all the systems that we picked and and for relevance and 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 you know quick reference um and then because it will benefit me probably greatly more than anybody else to do that because I'm I'm I've been really super weak on learning rules of games lately, like not going back into the book and reading them again and stuff. And that'll force me to really go and eyeball those again. Chris has already got a hand now that he, he's read through and we picked what we wanted. He knows how to he got the game works. But it'll be nice for him to have a cheat sheet so he doesn't have to go flipping through the book if he needs to reference something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it'll be a benefit to everybody. But but yeah, if we do that, I think that'll help too.
2: Yeah, we definitely need to make a. Um... Like, a, what, what's in this? Wait, <laughs> yeah. What's in
1: this, this game is our document? Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. What's question two, Jerry?
0: All right. Question two. As a GM, what things do or did you do to create some excitement in your games?
1: Yeah, so um, it's obviously been a long time since I actually ran a game. Um, and these are the kind of questions and things that I never actually consciously considered. Sometimes I, I considered them by default without even thinking about it. But this is the kind of thing that I never stopped and like, you know, oh, what am I going to do to build some excitement in this game? Like, I never thought about that stuff. I just put stuff together. I sat down at the table with my players and I ran a game. Um, But looking back on it to answer this question, I think for my 4E game, I think it definitely generated some excitement for myself to create all of the different um, physical components that I was going to put on the table. And I think it built some excitement for the players and wondering like, what are we going to get this week? Like, you know, what kind of tokens are we going to get and what kind of, what kind of map, you know, what's the map going to look like and stuff like that. Um, So I think that was a thing that I definitely did um, just not um, with specific purpose to build excitement. That's my answer. (laughs) What about you, Phil?
2: Yeah, that's good. I I I remember that. I would say in the past, like I was a huge proponent of in-between game chatter. Boy, in in or out of character, I loved all of it. Right, I loved having um, I loved having uh, dialogue as characters. I loved having um, just constant chatter about games, things like that. Um, I, you know, for a while, it wasn't possible to do that, and like technology didn't quite kind of keep up. I think it's a lot easier now with Slack and Discord and stuff to have you know in game channels and and things like that. Um but I struggle with this now. Like I'm not sure what I do um, in, in most recent times. Like I really don't know what I do to show up for excitement. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if I am exciting, right? Like I, um, you know, I don't know when I show up to a game, like mm-hmm. if I'm bringing any excitement with me, like I sometimes think I just show up to the game and like put my stuff out and be like, all right, let's begin. Right. Like it's like a lecture, um, which is not how I want to run games. Um, you know, I've been struggling with some concentration issues that's made it hard to, to get some, to get some things done. Um, and obviously like, you know, the stress of the past few years, I mean, pandemic and all the other stuff that's happened, like, I don't know, like I'm only now just getting to like the other side of all of that, uh, like almost there kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't even know. Like, I mean, you guys would have to tell me if I show up excited or not. Like, I, I don't think I do. Um, I mean, truthfully, like, I don't always show up excited for the show. Um, and we talked about that, about just having to get, you know, having to get the game face on and maybe that's what I need to do is just put my game face on for game day and, you know, get ready to play whether I'm excited about it or not. Um, and hopefully it'll just, you know, make some excitement. Like it's definitely a struggle. Like that's part of the reason why when Jerry suggested the topic, I was super into this topic because, um, I don't necessarily feel like it's a i necessarily feel like we got it down uh, you know everywhere it's certainly not
1: automatic there's there's no question about that it's not it's not like we're all on by default that it takes work sometimes and i think to your point with struggling and everything like that i think that is part of the benefit of the dynamic where if you're not coming to the table bringing excitement as the gm at least with NBA, we're bringing the excitement as the players. And hopefully we're bringing you up after you start the game so that you're enjoying it and, and, and getting excitement during the course of the game. So,
2: I mean, that, that definitely was true. I mean, like back I mean, like, you know, some of those games that we had in our backlog of like masks and, you know, um, and, you know, tails in the loop and stuff like that, like without a doubt, right. Without a doubt, I was enjoying every minute. Um, mm-hmm. Of sitting down to play those games like i had no problem um writing material for masks like i loved everything about our masks game like i loved the world that we built the characters like that stuff just like rolled off like like it was effort it was effortless honestly that was a
1: conflux of 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 things that all just came together perfectly (laughs)
2: Yeah. And, and and again, that, you know, tying this back to the top, the top of the show, right? Like, I like, hey, look, I'm all for spontaneous excitement, right? But spontaneous ex- excitement is games of chance, yeah. right? Like, which is great. Like, we want to get to spontaneous excitement, but we, you know, like in those first four sessions, like you might need a you might need to prime the pumps. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely thinking like, maybe I have not done my part to put my game face on and show up and be excited to run a game and you know maybe that's also contributing to you know some table stuff
0: we, need to, get so, to, we need to get sean to make you a new mixtape so they can play it as you enter the, the arena each night like you're in a wrestling match
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> i mean it, it may mean you know it may mean I, the need to you know may m- mean that i need to do some stuff like that mm-hmm. before I even get in the car to come to the game like i may need to just you know do some of the things that we talked about being mindful or psyching myself up with some music
1: before you head out of the house yeah yeah Yeah.
2: Yeah. and figuring out you know answering that question what is it um what is it i like to do Mm -hmm. during games right like i know what it is for nba for sure um we'll see for ox so
0: anyway uh move let's move it along so that we don't get too late um right well in the past um during the last uh, year or two when I was running games, uh, I had shared Google Docs that we kept updated for everyone. Um, one was just a list of major characters, just listing as we go. Um, another was a weekly summary that read like chapters of what happened the previous adventure. Um, and I left that updated for anyone so they could add in extra things if I missed a, if I missed a character name or if I missed an event or if I missed a, an aside between two characters as they were uh busy this was the one where uh chris's character and Schmidt's character were flirting with each other in a kind of a 10 week long meet cute and some of that stuff got added in it was also fun to see chris's edits in character because i would have chris read each summary at the beginning of each show to get psyched up and he did it in kind of a 1920 newsman's voice um and would add edits as he went through and and you know something would be said that was kind of uh uh extraordinary or odd and he would react to it in character and so we got that kind of startup each week for the game where everybody was laughing and talking about what happened and oh i forgot about that kind of stuff um in the years before that uh when i was running games back when i lived in auburn and syracuse i used to have yahoo groups set up for every campaign um places where players could Amen. amen brother post all their character stats we could post treasures we could post um adventure summaries people were putting up fan fiction um I was describing NPCs. They were describing NPCs. Uh, we were making suggestions. People were putting up artwork. They could discuss the adventures. They could discuss what they wanted to do next. They could ask questions of each other before the game started. So somebody could talk about, you know, we're about to go into, you know, Thistletop where the goblin Greg Nutch is. And so I was like, no, no, it wasn't Greg Nutch. It was somebody. And they could discuss that back and forth. This was the group that I set up a month ahead of time and was going to run a game, but I wasn't ready to run the game yet. And the players got on and had a conversation about sitting in a bar where they posted it in the game thing and discussed with each other and described NPCs that were in the bar and had made up NPCs who came up and talked to them and asked them questions. And I just sat there and watched 15 pages of character interaction occur before the game started. I just sat back and said nothing. I think I think at one point I, there were two major NPCs, so I described the bartender and the barmaid because they were going to be they were key characters in the adventure coming up. Other than that, I just left it up to them and let them do it all as they went through, and it worked really well. And, and people kept people involved in things um, because some of this was Pathfinder. I used to give out like ten experience points every time you posted something cool on the on the site just to keep them interested, mm-hmm. but it kept them involved in talking about it each week and so on. Um, the key as a GM and something that I need to do more often was making a place for people to share resources and so on. Um, when I started GMing or playing in Chris's game, Chris put up a bunch of Google Docs. and I had never used Google Docs before, so it was neat to see updating Google Docs, and I know that we use those in-game, and you're now using Miro for nice black agents, which has been really useful. Um, but I think that having a, as a GM, having a place for people to share resources, uh, checking it at least once a day to see if anybody's added or changed something different, and keeping it updated makes a difference and um it not only feeds the player excitement back and forth but it also feeds the gm a little bit because at least for me when i see the players doing all this other stuff between games to me it says their interest and they're excited about what's coming up next mm-hmm. um and also gives them a place to put because you've got the you've got some players who um their backstory is you know I'm a dwarf and I've got an axe, and uh, I have an axe because I don't like trees, and I'm out adventuring because I want to get gold. And that's their character's backstory. And then you've got the character who is a uh, lesser daughter of a handmaiden who was trained in spider magic by a weaver, and is upset, obs- you know, and hat and wants to have a ten story, a ten page backstory. And instead of having them constantly get up and sandbox for five minutes in the game, they can just keep putting this stuff up and everybody can read it and pay attention to it. And as a GM, it gives me things to hook into. If I see somebody post a lot about how much their character likes cheese, well, then God damn it, every town they go into is going to have some cheese in it, they can they direct can it. And that's going to get them excited. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, just as, as, as a GM, I know, Phil, every time we go to a new town in Europe, you've got all these really cool things. You know, I looked up this, and this is this park, and this is this building, and I looked at this, and this is actually something that's there. And this is how it was built. And you've got all that that feeds into our excitement because we're like, okay, what cool thing are we going to learn about the city this week? So yeah. all that can be fed in. So just having a place for everybody to interact with is a lot of fun and is, to be honest, it's a way of me trying to recreate that, you know, a GM and four players all living three rooms apart from each other for four years, of college thing that yeah. I'm probably never going to get again, but it was still fun to do. So that's what I do. Yeah. I personally ah, am a huge a fan. Yep.
1: I, I'm a huge fan of the Google doc for the campaign where people can put in, you know, like notes on what happened in the session in, in character memory format, you know, like this is my interpretation of what happened whether it's accurate or not, you know, the the, uh, the inaccurate uh, memories and whatnot. Um, but like uh, Jerry said, that could potentially feed back into the GM. You know, you're sitting at the table, you're playing the game, and the GM says, hey, um, you know, we need to, the, this thing is going to happen or whatever, or I need this, this element. And somebody says something, somebody else is like, um, <clears throat> you know, instead of what you just said, How about we do this or we have this? And the GM suddenly goes, oh shit, that's way better than what I had in my mind. And there's a boost there. The GM gets that that boost. That's at the table. Now imagine the GM like a couple times during the the course of the week checks the Google Doc and somebody mentions something and you're like, ooh, oh, that's really cool. Now you just got that dopamine hit. You got that adrenaline rush from something while you're not even playing the game during the off week, whatever. Um, like I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. And if that can help build that excitement around the
0: table, um, in between, I love that stuff. That's good. I, I, loved when I was running a game and I would say something like, you know, okay, well the next, you know, the players are doing something different and now, okay, you need to find out a way to get, um, so it sounds like the next thing you guys want to do is try to find a way to break into the bank. And they start talking and all of a sudden somebody's like, ah, ah remember like 15 sessions ago we met the barmaid and her brother, she said that her brother works in the bank and that we, we did, and we've got a contact there. Who was that contact? And as a GM, I forgot who that character was because it wasn't, I wasn't planning on them going to the bank in the first place, but they, they've got this whole thing in mind. They're drawing I'm like, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's a whole bunch of heavy lifting for me. And I'm excited because they're excited to go back and meet this NPC. I mean, I gotta go look up and see, okay, what did I do with this? NPC? Yeah. But it's a lot of fun to do. And They're excited because it's a recurring character for them and somebody they care about. We talked about that in a previous uh, MMP podcast also. So, Anyway, those Mm -hmm. are the kind of things I use as a GM. It doesn't work for everybody, but I like that kind of thing. And I like when the players get involved in it too. And I don't force the players to. I'm always going to get – because I normally had – I used to have groups of like six players. You'd always get the one player who didn't interact with that at all, which is fine. Um, But if everybody else is, you'll get that spontaneous stuff. So, Cool. That's where I'm going. With All, that. Right. Bob, All right. Bob,
1: question three as a player. What do you do to create excitement for your games?
2: Yeah, I haven't played in a while, but, um, you know, I do try to encourage the GM, you know, like make sure that I tell him like, you know, things that worked. I, you know, I won't even talk about things that don't work in the early parts of a game. Right. I just, you know, want to prop up the GM, keep them, you know, keep them excited. Um, a lot of it I do uh, just to make sure my character is squared away, that I'm ready to play, right? That I've looked up the rules for my character, um, that I know how to jump into my character, right? I may, not, I may not do a full backstory or stuff, but like that I kind of know the mindset that I'm getting into. Um, and, then, and then, you know, Jerry's a big fan of, um, of this one, right? Um, I, I will take the hook. I do not need any prompting um if you know if we're here to play a game and it's kids on bikes and you know we need to get on our bicycles i'm the first one on my bicycle like it's kids on bikes i'm ready to go i'm not going to ask any questions about the yeah. bikes the validity of driving like riding around whatever it's we're we're on bikes let's go like that's me that's so yeah i haven't like i said i haven't played in a while but those are like in general the things i do to kind of make sure that i'm um at least creating some level of excitement like kind of engaging um when i get to the table jer
0: all right. Once we get a feel for the game in the world, I try to find things that feed to the GM as hooks for my player characters and others. Um, you know, find something in that in that game world, especially something that the GM has already created to hook onto. Um, also create things myself, but if the GM tosses a bunch of stuff out there, find that thing that makes it interesting for your character. Um, if they've got 15 mega corporations, find one to have a link to. If it's a fantasy game and they've got a bunch of kingdoms and people, you know, find somebody in the group, in the game that you're tied into. Um, Also try to find those hooks with the other players as well. Um, Keep myself involved with the game world. Um, Make sure that it's, you're not just existing in that game world, but that you're actually part of it, playing around with it. Um, um, I've I've been in games with players who, the GM has this really deeply involved game world and that player is like, okay, Um, Like, I played a fantasy trip game, which has its own world of Sidri and all this. And one of the players like, yeah, I'm a displaced Roman soldier who's there. I'm from ancient Rome. I don't know anything about this world. And my character really wants to get back to ancient Rome. And I do all the ancient Rome stuff. And I'm kind of like, like, dude, you're being an asshole to the GM. The GM took the time to create this, Find something in the GM's world that you're interested and excited about. Or don't play. I mean, that's me. That you, you can play mm-hmm. if you want. But my my felt was my feeling was as the GM. I'm like I'd be kind of pissed. I'm like, or at least talk to me and ask me like, what in this game is similar to this? This was the the Keith Baker thing for Eberron, where he said, you know, if the players come to you with something that doesn't exist in Eberron, figure it out. If they want to play samurai, well, I don't have samurai in Eberron. But ask what the what, what about the samurai appeals to the character? If it's you know an honor code and devotion to a to a daimyo and cool exotic weapons and well that that all sounds like the kind of thing that dwarves would be into so maybe there's a dwarf elite class of warriors you know that do that kind of thing but keep yourself involved in the game world um take the time to talk to npcs Uh, don't bore the party or the gm with it some players like to do it more than others but take the time if the gm introduces an npc talk to them ask some questions get involved with them make some friends and contacts if you're in the same place over and over again find something about these characters and, and and be friends with them um, All this can give you things to go back to. Keep notes. Keep notes. Even if you're not a big note taker, fine, but take some notes so that you're not relying on the GM to constantly feed you information. Um, I know that as, as a GM and also I've seen in other GMs, the delight on a GM's face when you pull a name out of nowhere that they barely remember, but you're like, oh, yeah, um, you know, our taxi driver back in, you know, Scotland was, you know, Steve. And uh, he said that he had a brother here in, in Stockholm. So let's see if we know where Steve's brother is and if he's driving a taxi cab. Even if he does, he's not there. It tells the GM that you're involved and you get involved because you keep, you keep going back to those things. It makes your character feel more real. Um, refer back to past adventures. Refer back to, back to past characters. So the GM knows you're involved. And I think that the more you do that, the more the GM will feed you that same stuff. Um, I think that as a player, the more you keep GMs uh, knowing that you're excited, and the more excitement you bring to the game, the more they'll feed back onto you. Um, I should if, hope so. That was the whole premise of the top of the show. Yeah, But yeah. <laughs> well, but the reverse <laughs> is also true. If the GM throws a bunch of stuff out there and the players don't ever do yeah. any of that stuff, yep. the GM's gonna stop doing that. Yeah. Um, feel free to come with adventure ideas, even if they don't come out. Um, you know, hey, I'd be really cool if we could do X, Y, or Z. Or I really like this idea about whatever. When we're done with this adventure, I'd like to follow up on this. Or sometime down the line, I'd like to go um, explore my, my, my Warhammer campaign, where the players decided that, despite the fact that the main campaign was we're going to fight the forces of chaos, they also knew that they wanted to find the Lost Bugman's Beer Brewery. And that was going to be something they were constantly going to follow up on if I tossed hooks out there. Which also meant that I, as a GM, had an easy way to get players to go anywhere I wanted to. Because all they do was find there was a possible link to Bugman's Brewery that were going to go there. Um, and lastly, I used to give this to the players if they wanted to use it, but a questionnaire to just look at things like um, for a fantasy campaign, how's your character feel about magic, the gods? Um, you know, why are they adventuring? What's up with their family? Just simple things to keep a track of as you go through the game. You don't have to have it filled out ahead of time, but things that keep you thinking to yourself. So if you're coming up with something in the game and you feel like there's a gap in a role playing hook, pick one of those questions and find a way to get it back into the game. Um, Use that as a way to, to go in or ask the GM about this. You know, hey, I want to find out how my character feels about um the gods in this fantasy campaign. Uh my next game, could you tell me a little bit about the gods? And the GM might might come back to you with, I don't know, tell me a little bit about the gods. And then you're back in creating. But anyway, all these things are things that can keep you involved in the game in, in the game as a player. Um and you see most of it is communication with the other players, with the GM, yeah. get involved, take those hooks, role play. Bob. Yeah, you
1: just reminded me of the old classic 20 questions, which we used to start all our campaigns with.
0: There's a lot of merit to doing that. (laughs) If you tailor the questions properly. I used to always give those out to players. The problem was I had players who felt a lot of pressure because they felt they had to ask answer those questions. And for a while, I was a bad GM and made them.
1: Was that Leaving it open is like here here's a bunch of questions. Think about them, answer them if you want or you can. Or leave them open for, you know, something down the road to be like suddenly like, you know, that reminds me of that question on the thing. Maybe
0: I'll answer that now because it's relevant to the current situation. So I used to have a list of like 80 or 90 character traits. And I used to ask the players uh, to pick five or six for their character and also rate them on a scale of one to 10 on how strongly <laughs> they feel about them. Um, just to give me some idea of, you know, if somebody put, picked like angry and gave it a six, that meant their character got angry often, but it wasn't their predominant trait. Um, didn't again, wasn't for yeah. everybody, but it did help me as a GM. Um, Sometimes because it also meant, this like is something that the, to... well, it also gives the players something to like, as a GM, I could say, okay, this is a player that angers. I want to give them places where they can get a little bit angry and then struggle against it. Because obviously if it's a six, it's something they want to do. give ask yes for questions anyway bob sorry go back to it no that's right um so my main
1: thing is i I try to work to create interesting connections between my character and others and my character in the game world um that because it's uh a relatively easy way to to when you're building connections you're building interest you're making uh, uh making things easier and i think that helps build the excitement um so, I, and I enjoy it. So, you know, if it's something I enjoy, then definitely I'm going to do that. Um, I'm also of the mind to take the hook. Um, I had a stretch where I was um, a questioning player and my mind would overthink things. And like, you know, would my character really, you know, go down this path of, it's the predominant part, portion of the, it's like the conceit of the game. Take the friggin' hook. Don't question it. Don't, otherwise, if you're questioning it, you shouldn't have come into the game in the first place. Like if everybody's like, we're going to sit down and we're going to play this game and it's going to be about X. And then your player's like, well, you know, my character really isn't the kind of person that would do it. Well, then why did you do that? Just go away. So take the hook. Take it. <laughs> and then again, um, creating assets, character sheets, character builders, tools, cheat sheets, building that kind of stuff um creates investment it creates um knowledge and i think helps build the excitement so uh, i i enjoyed doing that stuff too so
0: that's my you answer. Did a good job I, lo- I love the new character sheet i've been i've been looking at it through our breaks here so i'm what? looking forward to it mm-hmm. yeah. all right that is it
2: cool cool all right that was our that was our take on infusing your games with excitement
0: we hope that as you're launching new games and running the games you have, that someone's advice will help you and add some excitement to your games. All right. We're going to hit up the chat room one more time and then take
1: off for the conversation corner. Mm-petite. All right. Yeah. So Senda has been uh, discussing um, in relation to um, places where people can uh, communicate off their, you know, between games and stuff. Senda is one of the, uh, the discord crowd that uh, heavily uses discord for gaming conversation. Um, personally, I've gone into discord a couple of times. Um, one-on-one conversations I've had with a couple of people because they, they wanted to have it there wasn't bad, but every time I saw a group conversation, it seemed like it was way more chaotic than Slack. And it was just like trying to follow anything was, was just folly for me. I was like, I'm lost already. I don't know what's going on.
0: (laughs) But I I had the same, I had the same problem. I had the same problem. We had a couple of games that GMs ran on, on discord, and they always were difficult to, to, to work with. Um, the voice thing didn't work either too well. So that was just my experience. Other people are having a great time with it and use what works for you. That's cool.
1: Yeah, honestly. I mean, it's, uh, we're not going to, we're going to harsh on somebody's uh, platform of choice. If it works, it no, works. Cool. That's cool. If you the, like
2: discord, you like discord. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, look, they all where it's where you came from. I love Slack. Yeah. Um, Slack yeah. was one of the first. I mean, look, if we really want to get to the heart of it, um, I love Google Wave, and there's no Google Wave. Oh, man, so
1: Google Wave, I miss it so much, and right? I miss Google Plus. Uh, right. Right. Poor one out. So, yeah, it's here's the thing: the, if if you find something that works for you and your group, that's yep. fabulous. Mm-hmm. Go to town. Um, platform makers um, make it easier for people to use your tools. And and then they will come. <laughs> they will recommend it to other people. Now Discord's obviously not having any problems because they've got bazillion users, clearly. Um, but there are certain things with certain platforms that you scratch your head and you go, what are you doing here? Um and I will say uh, kind of a sidebar example, um we've been playing a lot of No Man's Sky. It's the it's the game du jour. Um, Jerry and I have been playing a lot of co-op. We're both on steam. Steam has its own built in voice chat. Okay. So when we jump into each other's worlds to do some co-op stuff or, or to just be present with each other while we're off doing different things and we're chatting away, we're talking on steam. Um, but anybody who comes in from outside the PC world is not on steam. They can't chat with us. So it's like, okay, you know, if we ever get, you know, like if I ever decide to do a co-op with Phil, Phil's on the PS4. Well, we're not going to be chatting in Steam, so we'll probably end up using Mumble so that we can keep in communication with each other. Yep. And it just occurs to me, like, take your platform and it's like, if Steam, what you should do is, and, and it, some people might think this is counterintuitive, it's Steam. Just use the chat and make the Steam voice, uh, voice chat a separate tool. Yeah. So that I'm not running the game on Steam, but there's an app and I can put the app on my phone. And so while I'm playing the game on PS4, I can have the Steam voice chat on my phone and I'm chatting with my two buddies who are on Steam and we're doing the thing. Um, make it easier for the thing to happen. Um, and I think that goes a long way. But yeah, whatever whatever works, if, it's, if it works for you and especially if it keeps the engagement up. In RPGs, between sessions, anything that keeps you talking about the game or interacting with it and its uh resources or artifacts or whatever between sessions—that's that's a win. You're, you're doing something right. So that's yeah. my feeling. Mm. Well, cool. And I guess that would probably uh do the job for our uh, last check with the Slack room. So let's do the conversation. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Misdirected, Mark. Word scramble. I've noticed for some reason that it seems like there's a lot of dead space when I hit the button. I'm going to have to check all of my stream deck links to make sure that these bumpers don't suddenly have some kind of buffer at the beginning, because it seems like I'm hitting the button and there's like two seconds of delay. So anyhow, conversation corner, which I forgot to do last week. (laughs) Rob was like, you didn't do the thing. (laughs) Oh, well these things happen it's the nature of technology all right i will get things started here um definitely i am definitely enjoying um the book of boba fett so far um i love their treatment of the tuscan raiders um the the you know they're they're people they have a culture they're not just they don't just run around and beat people up and steal their shit you know it's like that's Jawas. (laughs) just kidding (laughs) because apparently i saw a thing today from Star Wars Meg on YouTube that the Tuscans and the Jawas both are offshoots of the same species that started on Tatooine back when it had water. Interesting. Yes, interesting. I don't know was if that's that canon, canon still, or is that but just a discussion? That was a thing. I... She mentioned it. It I think it came out of a comic book, but um, you know, like I said, these are tidbits that make things interesting. Whether it's canon or not, we'll find out later. But um that's the way it works. But I'm enjoying it. Um, definitely enjoying um, Prodigy. Uh, again, it's Prodigy's not for everyone. I'm enjoying where they're going with it. And it looks like this week's episode should be interesting. Um, so that's fun. Um, had friends over for football <laughs> on Saturday. And man, that was an entertaining game. And um, now, the, of course, the excitement level builds, but also the anxiety builds for me. Because I'm one of those fans that's like, I, I can't take it if they get, you know, beat or if they get blown out or whatever, and it's like, ah, so I'll start getting twitchy and start having to (laughs) self-medicate, but had friends over. It was a good time, so enjoyed that. Looking forward to it again. Uh, Way too much No Man's Sky. (laughs) I'm just, I have so many hours into that game, but eh, what are you gonna do? Um, It's fun. It's scratching an itch, although I do think, Jerry, you and I should probably pick a night and, and go Valheim it up for a couple hours just to
0: I think to so, take too. take a
1: break. <laughs> yep, just get out of space and get back on hard land that uh, that's uh, even less forgiving than <laughs> in certain ways.
0: I'm um, I, I gonna say I, I'm at the point now where I'm not gonna say that I don't think that Valheim is less forgive is more is less forgiving because you can there are, you can easily find places in Valheim where you can just stand and hang out for a little while, and yeah. most of the places in in No Man's Sky, as much fun as that game is, like you're under attack from the environment all the time, and it's part of the fun, yeah, uh, yeah. unless you're sitting in your ship. But yeah, okay. but it's been fun, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. don't get me started. You
1: have a game with all this stuff, and you can't just build a box and throw some shit in it and walk away. Like really, you have to wait until you're far up the tech tree and build a vault. The only good thing about the vault is it's it's you build more vaults and they're all connected to the same repository. So if you can have four vaults on different planets and it's all going to the same inventory. And like, where did I put that? Oh, it's in the vault. Boop. Good. But anyhow, um, and again, uh, the the character session we had for AUX, um, I enjoyed that session so much, um, using the pathways uh, process and and building that little mind map with the the diamonds and squares and triangles and circles and stuff of, of different things, people and places and events. And I love that stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to, to jumping into that and uh, and really implementing that game, um, getting the dice mechanic down. Um, I mean, it's all relatively simple. You know, it's dice pool. You roll a bunch of dice, you pick a couple for your for your uh, 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 success or failure and you pick one for your effect, right? And then, yo, I mean, it's, it's not hard, um, but it'll be, you know, we got to, we got to put it into play. So, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. So um, that's, what's predominantly been going on in my life for the past week. So
0: Jerry, what about you? Oh, first of all, Book of Boba Fett has been fun. Um, uh, I'm a Star Wars fan the way you're a Star Trek fan. So I'm, I am all into anything that gives me more history, more, uh, culture and flavor. Um, I'd be interested to see if they take that truck with the Jawas and, and Tuscans, because from what I understand, the Tuscans adopt people into their culture and they're less of a race and more of a culture. Um, and the Jawas came from off planet. And that's why you saw them in other parts of the Mandalorian, but that could all change. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing that the Jawas are almost as dangerous as the Ewoks, and uh, that could be good things. But I'm just enjoying Book of, Bo- of Fett. Um, just lots of good uh, Easter eggs and so on. Um, football was just so much fun. Um, I enjoy sports ball with my friends. Um, I'll listen to it occasionally when I'm by myself, but sitting with everybody and of course, watching Bob watch any sports game is, is its own level of entertainment in and of itself. You will always learn new four-letter words. Um, Chris Again, sitting next to us. With, right? was
2: external, that? external excitement, right?
0: External excitement. Chris with the Twitter feed open, reading to us comments throughout the entire game as things were happening. So we were getting lots of commentary as we went. Um, the best part was, well, we got a lot of junk food here, so we have to pace ourselves. So we're only going to refill our plates when the Bills score a touchdown. Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> Seven touchdowns later, we were full. Um, like Bob, I'm enjoying No Man's Sky. Um, we're jumping in and exploring. Bob's got a lot more experience with it than I am, and that's part of the fun. Is I'll be doing something, and Bob will tell me, "Oh, you encountered X, Y, or Z. You need to do this." Or because um, like I don't play, I play games for exploration. I don't play games to try to figure out what the game designer wanted me to do with this particular doodad. Like, when I pick up the, you know, key of amazing vecchion I want to know what that key does when I pick it up. I don't want to have to guess and guess again. I want them to either tell me what it does or tell me, okay, now you have to go here. But there are a few things in No Man's Sky where you find them, and there are no clues in the game as to what to do with them. You have to look and look and look and look and look until something glows, and then you're like, oh, I need to look at the... Bob's done all that. So I'm like, all right, what the hell do I do with this thing? He's like, oh, you want to go here? Great, I'll go do that. That's what I want to do. That's what I, I enjoy the exploration, not the, not the puzzle solving. Um, I think being in gifted and talented as a child has burnt puzzle solving out of me. But it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy flying from planet to planet. I enjoy scanning all the aliens and the plants and everything and um, building little bases because No Man's Sky has a little bit of Minecraft in it when you're making your stuff. Um, i'm much farther behind in the game than you guys are but i'm still having a good time exploring it i just got to figure out how to fight in space um but uh that's that's pretty much it with no man's sky i'm just enjoying it um i love winter um i'm actually not an outdoorsy person but i love the snow i love the look of the snow i like the fact that we get a foot or two of snow during the winter time um even though i got to go out and shovel so i'm enjoying this past week when it snows I enjoy the snow. It's part of what I enjoy about being in New York state. I want some, I want some snow with my winter. This whole week has been fun going outside and seeing everything white and not muddy and watching the kids on the corner playing, uh, ice hockey by freezing the, the, the tennis court and doing that kind of stuff. And just, that's a lot of the fun stuff. Um, I watched the last couple episodes of Dexter. So I'm caught up to date with the season finale of the new Dexter show. And it's been really good. Uh, fancy brown is amazing in it and um, i just enjoy watching the show I, I enjoyed the show when it was on um like a lot of people the last season of the original run wasn't super exciting for you but this one picked up a lot and did a lot of good things and updated the show for the 10 years um and as some of you guys know i've been doing a lot of reconstruction and deconstruction with lego building which kind of falls into the same same line as minecraft and valheim and no man's sky um i finished building a, a big building and i'm taking a lot of existing stuff I have and combining them to make them all the same scale and make them modular for the city. So I'm taking some sets that my, sis- that, uh, my sister got me, some sets that Lily's sister got me, some sets that my wife got me, and using them to build um, an entire street scene. So right now I'm working on a, um, an ice cream shop and a newsstand that both have apartments above them to connect, and that's taking some time. And I'm running into the parts where I need, like, I need 27 yellow one by two bricks, and I've got 25. So I've got to wait for the brick leak order to come to bring me the last two, kind of thing. So I get so far at the night and then I stop. But it's been helping to give me some other creative input. So that's what I've been doing. I've been having a lot of a lot of fun. Um, Phil?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll just touch on a few of them. Boba Fett, uh, book Fett, right? Excellent. Enjoying it. Uh, I started watching this Netflix show called Travelers um after i kind of went on a i was binging criminal minds for a while but i got to a point where i was like i just can't see another serial killer for breakfast or dinner um so i switched over to this sci-fi show called travelers uh pretty good so far i think there's only 3 seasons of it so um if it makes if i make it through the first season i'll probably finish it off
0: um is that is that the one about the people who come back from the future yeah okay yeah. yeah my my wife watched that i saw a couple episodes it's a fun show
2: yeah looks good um I'm I'm like 5 or 6 episodes in so I'm I'm pretty much on track. Oh well, let's see cooked a fantastic uh dinner on Saturday. I learned how to make sendas popovers which are basically just yorkshire puddings. Um I guess or related to popover or related to yorkshire puddings. Anyway they were delicious. Um and really my first hand at baking uh in my new place. Uh but they came out absolutely delicious and I made some uh, uh some great chicken uh, and some rice alongside of it. Um, good. It was very, very delicious. Um, I was happy to happy to give that a spin. Uh, so much snow, so much snow. Um, another reason I should just work from home, um, then go outside in it. Um, so that was, uh, what you call it, uh, but it gave me an excuse. Um, I was, uh, home alone all day Monday and that's when I just played the living hell out of no man's sky. Um, thirsty sword lesbians on saturday that was fantastic had a really good time playing that game uh and like you said we did our ox prep um character prep character gen pathway thing um which i liked came out good um now i just gotta like actually you know get this game off the ground cool that's me
1: we gotta
0: get glenn up to speed too uh yep i have a way to help with that so i opened up a thread in chat and slack for us to start talking about that stuff so cool cool all right. All right,
1: well, that will bring us to the uh, to the wrap up here. Let's talk to uh, talk to some of the fabulous patrons of this glorious enterprise of ours. Thank you so so much to Rory McLeod, Savannah Sizer, Steve Bissonette, Steve Radabaugh, T. Kustick, Theodore Atkinson, Tom Hay, Victor Wyatt, Ryan Magala, and Matthew Schrader. And thank you to everyone f- for listening tonight.
2: If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with the other awesome listeners in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question.
0: And if you can't make the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. Take a listen to some of the other shows in the Structured Mark Network, such as There a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bone Sore Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panda's Talking Games, The Gnomecast. Wu hustle the lounge bonus experience and back episodes of the excellent she's a super geek you can and should also check out our amazing our amazing sibling podcasts, tabletop bellhop the knights of the night and the always amazing gaming and bs
2: indeed indeed uh before you put on your mix to get yourself psyched up to head off to your game leave us some feedback you can reach us directly on the old-fashioned email mmp at misdirectedmark.com. check us out on twitter the show and the network is at misdirected mark he is robert m everson he is gm gerrymander i am dna phil
1: if you like what we do here and on the other shows in the misdirected mark network you can support our patreon campaigns MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and panda stalking Games are all at patreon.com slash mmp. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Hustle and Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and panda stalking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, which we haven't done one in a while, but it's hard because it's a pandemic, the Bamboo Lounge,
0: and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Tabark production, the media arm of encoded designs mic drop
2: we out